Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here, and welcome to Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. This is episode 30, and I'm joined by the wonderful, the elegant, the ever so kind, the flight tester himself, Lord Cognito. Maddie, what's going on? The Dukes are back, man. The Dukes mm-hmm. are here. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's going on? Man? I'm happy. I'm a happy man. I got that, that invite, yeah. as you mentioned. <laughs> it's funny how not getting an email can change your life. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> I was in my feelings prior to that, but I, it came through this morning. Your boy's in there this weekend, so I'm happy. Meanwhile, I suffer from FOMO. Damn. We'll certainly be talking a lot about Halo Infinite this episode. It was a pretty loud week for Xbox. We've got Forza Horizon stuff to talk about. I mean, we're getting into a lot of different things, so stay in your seats, or maybe you're on a walk, you're on a jog. Stay on your feet, then. we got a good show for you planned today. As always, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to support the show through early access, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. We're over 12,000 of you support us, and you can join up, get early access to that beautiful show. If not, we hit free feeds like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as the video version on YouTube on Sundays. Now, if you are a patron, it's not just early access. You, of course, get Defining Duke Ultimate, where we do little bonus conversations. This week's bonus conversation was on indies because there's been a lot of chatter, a lot of chit-chat, Cog, on Mm -hmm. the status of PlayStation indies and how the pendulum is swinging in Xbox's favor. So we thought, hey, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. What's happening here? So we go all in on that for about 50 minutes. It's a pretty good episode, so go ahead. Give it a listen. If you're a patron, we'd appreciate hearing your thoughts on that. Please do. That was a fire conversation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. As always, right? As always. That's always. That's always. Is it never? Is it never now fine? Yeah. We we might have to permanently hashtag fire DT. (laughs) Someone's sitting there just like listening, going, I remember episode like. Episode two is trash. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about this cog, dude. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who was doing our mobile ratings. Uh, I've seen a lot of updates there. Thank you so much for just taking the time to do that. I know it's a pain in the ass, so we do appreciate those of you who are getting in there and just letting everyone know what our show is like now versus what it once was. Um, of course, Last Day Media Merch Shop, if you want to get that DD shirt, by all means. And that's it. So beyond that, Cog, have you been up to anything? I always like to check on how you're doing, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Before we begin with our follow-ups and our in our five warm-up questions of the show. Yeah, man. Look, man, it's been it's so many good games right now, man. It, mm-hmm. it's, I'm I'm like sensory overload. I go back mm-hmm. and forth. That's the beauty of quick plug, uh, quick resume. 
because some games that I can go back and forth, I go right back at the state I was. So I, I do my little MLB to show season. Destiny doesn't have quick right. resume because it's an online game. But for the most part, all my single player stuff, I can bounce around. So I've been doing a little bit of that. We'll talk about, um, obviously, um, Forza. We'll talk about um, Game Pass Pick of the Week that uh, we'll get into. You know what I'm saying? I've been touching that. But uh, I've been actually going back to Forza Horizon 4 and just a little bit of Death Store as well. Steven, what about you? You've been playing, what you've been in the mix with? I have been a filthy casual this Ooh. week. Oh, man. I've been on League of Legends. Oh, I've, just, okay. I've been playing a lot of League lately. League. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got back on my League grind. I used mm. to play it a lot. I actually got a really, long story short, funky elbow injury last year that made video editing, any PC gaming. Like I was a permanent console gamer. Wow. I had to like, it was why I hired an editor because no. I was like, I couldn't do my work wow it was really bad i was wearing like braces wow it wasn't until i visited a doctor this doctor this year and he's like hey have you tried turmeric it's like this anti-inflammatory oh yeah i know and about turmeric yeah yeah mm -hmm. saved my ass man now nice. i'm back to normal so nice. that was really nice but long story short now i can play these pc games so i've been on star wars the old republic Ooh. i've been playing league Ooh. i've been feeling pretty good about that it's like yeah baby okay, i'm back okay, you, you i can back play with what the i race. Okay. yeah yeah so <laughs> no that's been doubt. pretty nice no doubt but now we got some follow-ups. Let's start off with Trent Miller. Good day, Lords of Duke. I'm the guy who called in about whether to purchase a PC or a Series X. Wanted to give you both an update and let you know I've chosen the PC. My MacBook that I do a lot of photo and video editing on is getting fairly old and slow, so I'm making the decision to jump to Windows so I can get in on Game Pass games and Xbox exclusives. Thanks for taking my call and helping me talk through it. Hope you guys have a very mediocre day. Thank you, Trent. We hope you have an awful day, man. Hope that PC comes in broken. Uh, Trent was one of our call-ins, as he said, yes. and we, we hashed it out. You know, should you get that series? Should you get that PC? Mm -hmm. We were leaning towards the series, if I remember correctly. So mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting to hear Trent has gone the PC route. Trent, thank you for following up because I do remember saying, Salute. let us know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good, to, good for him. At the end of the day, like I said, he can mm -hmm. still experience whatever he wants to experience over there. You know what I mean? Like I said, Xbox ain't got no problem with him over yeah. there. Like yeah. as long as he's in Game Pass, they don't care. Nah, absolutely. <laughs> Our next follow-up, not so positive. Okay. In fact, I'm being directly targeted here, and it's come on a perfect week. Uh-oh. I'll explain why. Melissa Maxwell writes, hey, guys. I've been enjoying DD from the beginning, especially since I've recently picked up a Series S to complement my PS5 after being away from Xbox all last generation. Very common sentiment amongst our audience. <laughs> However, I'm both horrified and disgusted to discover Maddie is an Oilers fan. <laughs> As a diehard Calgary Flames fan, this is unacceptable. I mean, how does someone from the Eastern U.S. even become a fan of that dumpster fire of a team? I'm getting sniped right now. Yo. The last time they were relevant was before you were born. I was born and raised in Southern Alberta. At least my insanity is explainable. First shame, Lord Cog, you're awesome. Keep doing you. Maddie, make better choices. <laughs> you got to defend yourself. She coming. I she was going to say, here's the thing. I can't even because this week Let's go. has been the, the, the free agency signings for and trades and the draft mm -hmm. for the Oilers amongst many other NHL teams. And it has been fucking abysmal. <laughs> it, they are having an all-timer worst offseason. And so I can't even see her be like, look, I can't. Damn. It is, I like sign on Instagram. I follow this account, mm -hmm. NHL Discussion. Great account. Stay updated on no things. Doubt. And every time I sign it, it's like an existential crisis. Like I literally was like, why am I a fan? <laughs> Just so if anyone's curious. Let's go. 
I always like to be a fan of an Eastern team and a Western team in NHL. Okay. So, born and raised in New York, I'm a Rangers guy. No That's doubt. easy. No doubt. Western team, I pick up NHL 12, your boys in high school. Okay. That's what team I was good with. Who is the, it? The, the, the oddball Edmonton, Edmonton. Oilers. Edmonton, okay. Yeah, okay. I was like, all right, I like these guys. And uh, I thought to myself, hey, they're pretty bad, so I won't be bandwagoning. So yeah. I hop on and, <laughs> oh, I didn't know what I was getting into a decade <laughs> later almost. Get smoked. Yeah. So between that and the Mets. Yeah, I've, bro, I've you live in a, a tough existence. Yeah, insufferable yeah, yeah, yeah. sports existence. A lot, lot of pain, a lot of pain, though. But Not I as bad it. as Colin. Colin's an Islanders fan and a Jets Ooh, fan. So yeah, yeah, Jets. Yeah, Jets, bro. <laughs> Ooh, my best friend's a Jet fan, and yeah, he goes through it, man. He, I just think they're masochists, right? Like that's what I think. As an Oilers fan, I get it. It's like you just kind of like you're like, if they win, though, like I'm there, right? That's the thing. It, 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 it's so painful, but like you said, when they do win, it's it means more. It's so special because you know how bad they have been, so you mm. cherish it when they win. And we're Mets fans, yeah, so exactly. Like, you know. We, we we know exactly anyway thank you for writing in melissa appreciate you let's get into our warm-up questions where we can both chat a little bit more antonio perea writes in hey guys i recently saw a tweet of maddie's talking about the state of the fallout franchise and how no one is even close to working on anything related to fallout at the moment maddie please tell me we won't have to wait 10 years for the next fallout game i'd assume in exile or obsidian would jump at the chance to make a new one yeah, so my tweet, uh, mm-hmm. my tweet, my tweet lit some people's fire. Yeah, you had a lot to say. <laughs> I did. You had a lot. I mean, look, so much so that I ended up making a video. Yes, it's uh, in production now. Yes, so. yes. I mean, this this is a this is a good one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna push back on you a little bit. Just oh! just a little bit. Just we gonna have our oh! first little little not major drama, oh! but little drama. We'll push I back. There's an instant agreement. Now, All right. here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mm. do understand your frustration and overall premise that, look, we shouldn't have to wait this long for a Fallout game, especially since 76 was the last one. And we all know that if a Fallout is announced, this thing most likely going to print money. Thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we know what it does. Right? I, I respect yeah, yeah. that part. The only pushback I'll give is this. You know, obviously they have Fallout 76. And then I look at Bethesda Game Studio first. And it's their baby. And then ultimately, to me, Elder Scrolls is kind of the next thing in line. And we know how long we've been waiting for that. So the way I look at it, it's been kind of like a a seven-year, six- to seven-year cadence with the fallouts, it seems, about. Mm -hmm. And my only thing is this. Now, to your point, yes, they got the teams involved right we know what obsidian is we know what nx i know what you want i know you want everyone to get into the room make it happen you're like yo i don't want to hear any excuses make it i know where you at but we gotta remember those two were signed independently of the bethesda joint they didn't know bethesda necessarily was coming Right. And let's be real. This is how I feel. Look from Obsidian. I'm an Obsidian fanboy. Looking from the outside in, I always felt that when they went kind of on their own, like to me, I look at a vow like, yo, this is our Skyrim. Like this is, you know what I mean? So not, not that it's beef, yeah. but it's like we can we can stand our own too. So my my point. Yeah, they're not in the shadow. Right. The so shadow. my point to say all this is, yes, in a perfect world, if Phil's got in the room and said, look. Somebody got to make a fallout out of you three. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But of I course. think realistically, because though, Bethesda just got signed new, 
They already had their content schedule. In Exile and, and Obsidian probably has their content schedule. I hate to say it, Maddie, man. I, I know, I know, I know. I think your face is it's not good, but I'm I'm telling I don't I don't know, bro. I, I think you're gonna be waiting. I hate to break it to you like that because I the perfect world I do want what you want. Cause it would could you imagine a, a Vegas range, too? <laughs> <laughs> I could you imagine a Vegas? I I'm with you, but oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I could go. go on for a while. Let's go. Bring it. Push I, back. I could. Push no, back. no, no, not on you. Not okay. on you. It's not, I don't really, because I, I don't think you're wrong, mm-hmm. right? And and the first thing I need to say mm-hmm. is some people, I guess I just assume a little too often at times. I think people, I, I assume, would think I'm smart enough to not want Obsidian to get peeled off of a vow. Yeah. Or in exile, get peeled off of their new first-person shooter steampunk RPG in Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> When I was talking about Fallout and just bringing it back, some people were like, they want to stay on their projects. Who are you to stay? I'm just like, look, first of all, calm down, all right? I would never want someone to get pulled off of what they're passionate about. As a passionate individual, trust me, I get it. You stated. Many of us do. And I had to state it afterwards just to be very clear. That aside, though, what I was really focusing on was it's a very unique position the Fallout IP is in mm-hmm. because it is alive and well. 76, getting expeditions. We're going to the pit. We're seeing new updates for that consistently. It's kind of getting its legs with Game Pass, one of the biggest Game Pass games. You look at the Fallout TV show they're doing. They're doing things with the license. But it feels dead for fans like myself. And that mm-hmm. may sound self-centered, and inherently I think it is to some extent, but I know as a Fallout fan that we're in it because it's a great single-player franchise. So I can't be alone on it. I know that. Absolutely. And like I said, while it's alive and well, it just feels dead because there's room for a remaster, a... No, I'm there. You know, it doesn't have to be a remake. That part, part Yeah, right? Like, Mm. I just... I look at that type of stuff, right? Great, we got back compat, but when you see console mods, you see Creation Club to some extent, some quality of life enhancements you can toss in there. That's an easy bundle to not only, I'd imagine, make if you put a team on it, but also sell. I think it sells itself. I agree. To the point of a new Fallout game, I think that requires many more hoops to jump through, but worthwhile ones. My my theory, we came up with this in a separate DD episode and it was myself and Carrick, so I don't want to act like I'm taking this whole idea. No, we came up with the idea of you have 343 and making Halo games. Mm-hmm. You've got Coalition. They're doing Gears games. I was like, what if you had Vault making Fallout games? Because it's a big enough IP to justify that. Mm-hmm. You've got enough people in-house that are familiar with it where they can tap in with their knowledge and expertise. And that was more so my point, is you have enough people who have worked on the license, you're fortunate enough to work on the license, that could tap in in co-development. Because we talked about this separately, Coalition's helping develop Halo Infinite. Like yes. I think a lot of people don't get that Good co-development point. amongst these first-party studios is very common. So it's not an advocate, not me advocating, let's pull them off of all this stuff. It's more so the idea that you have that talent there that can and would be utilized. So let's make the most of it while the IP is hot. Well, and, and in a way where people are, are engaging with it, but there's that core part of it that's really missing. Right. I think it's because they think the legs on 76 are so weak that they'll break if they drop anything on top of it, like a remaster. I am of the other mindset that I, I do think that 76 would, would live through that. If they said, here's a Fallout 3 New Vegas remaster package, just be more love for the, the IP and 
once again, as a Fallout fan, I know sometimes like I just hop into 76 because it's like I want to play something new that's Fallout. Right. And that's where a lot of people would find it. No, I mean, look, the, the compelling arguments, you know, the the remaster part, I, I, I'm I with you. I'll, I'll fight with you on that one. Because, I mean, with you on the same side. Yeah, you're sense, brother in arms on that. Yeah, I'm brother in arms on that one because, you know, that to me, obviously the assets are there. You know, that can be done. I, I, I do agree. The, I think the problem is generally how i how i look at the industry when those type of things happen it's generally a marketing rollout to set up when they are ready for the next mm-hmm. one right and mm-hmm. to your point you know it is to me a, a misstep that hey there's nothing really if you're doing a movie you're doing all these things you got this property you would like you to have at least the announcement that it's being worked yeah. on so i hear you on right. that the, the the thing to me comes down to bethesda game studios initial schedule and then my gut tells me that they really thought 76 was going to be it right yeah and, and that the fact that it ain't really it now they're trying to get because even remember todd howard went to to phil and was like low-key depressed he talked about it about mm-hmm. how 76 was initially received and they did some things so the vibe I got is they gonna still try to ride that. I know, I know that's not the answer you gonna hear. Uh, you know, what I'm, I, I'm with you. I don't care. I'm not a '76 yeah. guy like that. I prefer a traditional Fallout game. But I just right. got this feeling, man, like they ain't ready. So right. to your point, the only hope now is if, like I said, fill the upper management and they say, "Look, guys, let's pull these resources. Do what you said, right? Mm. From each team." co-support co-develop and do it that way that's your best shot but i'm hoping for you but i don't i don't know if it's, it's gonna happen bro <laughs> uh, you know i just i look at the age of empires feel like this remasters for that i'm like yeah you know let's get in there get a couple fallout games in there I'll you're certainly you. gonna make more money there no disrespect to age of empires great series but i'm just saying like as a businessman money aside true yeah as, as a fan i just you know i would love to see a little more activity even on the multimedia front yes not to go on too long mm-hmm. but just I'd love to see a couple comics, some books, and they're just doing a show. And I'm, I just, I find that so bizarre. Like they expand in the weirdest ways with the license, which I guess is good. You know, they're they're protective of it, yeah. but I think it could do with a little, a little more activity. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll beat the drum for you. We we'll get get, yeah. get the get the We'll see, home. right? They might be doing something now, and I might be sounding foolish. Yeah, you might get that. You might get that PNG splash screen with a number. <laughs> I would take that. I would take that. Just knowing something's happening, right? <laughs> Five. All right, number two comes from Monster Pontes, a.k.a. Ricky Pontes. Hey, Maddie and Lord Cog, congrats on episode 30, by the way. Thank you. Yes, we've made it quite salute, deep into this salute. show. This one's just for you, Maddie, but Cog can join in if he's on the hype train as well. Just wrapped up watching EA play, man, and, well, it wasn't good all, all that good for me. Sorry. The Lost and Random game looked pretty good. Battlefield 2042 looked promising, but we finally got it. We got something Dead Space related. And I'm beyond excited, nearly lost my breath when I shouted at my lunch break, <laughs> not eating my American chop suey like last time we chatted, which, yeah, he was also a live call. And how was your reaction to this? Were you just excited? Did you feel underwhelmed? Like, like I said, I lost it that they were finally getting something Dead Space related. But deep down, I also did want a little Dead Space switch porter, maybe in a 60 FPS bump on Xbox. Anywho, get excited. Have a good day, my friends, from your friendly monster. Yeah. Where do we sit on the, on the Dead Space remake? And yeah, I mean, well, this is your bag, but because I remember mm. I've never played a Dead Space game, mm. so I, I, I'm deferring to you. As far as what we saw 
I'm extremely excited. The Dead Space community, this is probably the most hype I've ever seen them. Like, I have to play this game now. Now, to yeah. his point, <laughs> you know, I was a little bummed because I, I felt it would have been a perfect EA marketing buzz to get, you know, FPS boost ready for the initial yeah. one to say, okay, we, we did this kind of thing. But then... Knowing EA, they probably don't want to do it because they want you to buy the new joint yeah. <laughs> so, so they can show off more frame rates and stuff like that. But no, look, I'm, ex- I'm extremely excited. You know, this has been a, a very hot topic right now. I know I saw your tweet. I know how where you consider this. I know <laughs> where the, the pantheon of horror yes. is for Maddie. So I'm excited to dive into it, man. But yeah, so salute to everybody. I love to see people hype about a game that they've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, I um, I'm excited. I I I can't get overly excited just because the teaser is notoriously yeah. short. As is anything that I ever get remotely excited about when it comes to EA. You know, they just keep it nice, short, and sweet. Or they do like prototypes for Dragon Age, and you're like, all right, <laughs> just wait a little bit, True. and and I'll be just fine. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the full game, though. Yes. Uh, you know, I recently went through the whole Dead Space trilogy, and uh, it still holds up really well. It, it, it's they're phenomenal games. I do wish as well they did a FPS boost of some kind. Um, I do think the the way they select their games, there's got to be some type of process there yeah. that um, we're not familiar with, and we'll actually be discussing that later. Thanks yes. for writing. Yes, we will. But beyond that, yeah, just there is excitement there for me as a Dead Space fan. I think it's the the cream of the crop when it comes to survival horror. I just think because of its unfortunate conclusion, it could not outlive that. Right. And then Visceral got shut down, and so the IP just moved on to EA Motive. So yes. really unfortunate. I think once a lot of people were surprised because once Visceral Games was closed, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought, well, that's it for Dead Space permanently. Right. Um, they were shocked to see EA Motive get the license some were saying so shortly after mm. and i guess yeah because no one really anticipated the resurgence resident evil would have which right had an impact on dead space oh, for sure. it was just sitting there for sure so i'm looking forward to it but beyond that i personally don't have much to say because it's like yeah. it's a little um but a, a little too far out. Yeah, the good thing is at least what I did here is that they uh EA Motive has consulted on visceral with visceral devs and, and that to me is always promising that you go to the source guys that actually did it, you know, kind of thing. So just maintain the spirit of what made it great. And hopefully, like I said, you can't mess it up too much. You know what I'm saying? Like there's an existing template. Don't yeah, botch I'm, it. Um, I'm always curious what kind of liberties they are going to take. Because yes. they said they're going to combine elements of all entries of the series into this one. Mm-hmm. I think of like the rolling and the cover shooting you could do in Dead Space 3. That's not the Dead Space we like. And I trust that they know that. I wonder if they're going to take Isaac and voice him for the first mm-hmm. game. I do wonder how they're going to handle procedural elements, mm-hmm. how they're going to open up the Ishimura a little bit more. Gotcha. There's a lot of question marks surrounding it that if you go back and play the original, it's so well made. It's gotcha. such a phenomenally designed game that I look at it and almost go, don't change anything. Right. So Don't so change question, anything. Question, because you, you, you touched on something that I'm very passionate about. When I'm the same way when it's like when my masterpiece is like this is your masterpiece. So in your opinion, do you even think, you know, it was necessary to do like a remake kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think it was necessary? Or like for if they would have just gave you an up res version of this without any changes, would that have been okay for you? 
for the first two, the one tantalizing aspect of Dead Space getting remade is that when they, if they do, get to Dead Space 3, that'll be exciting because that's where Visceral really missed the mark mm, big time. Gotcha. And there was a lot of potential in that entry. Um, you could see they had two ideas in mind. And I think if they can get to that, right. that's where I'm really excited. But as for one and two, they are two is my favorite in the series. Okay. But both those games are like right here next to each other oh, okay, okay they're okay. both masterful games okay, in my opinion okay. in design in evolution in tech for its time okay there's so much there Dope. that i i look at it and go all right like i'm open to it but you know of course if you start to bring in a voiced isaac i gotta be critical here let's go let's do it EA motive has not shown me they're capable of writing anything quality gotcha uh, between the Battlefront 2 campaign mm. and Star Wars Squadrons, I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to weave in an elegant tale for Isaac when he's voiced, if he's voiced. Right. And one of the charming parts of the game, I think, is that he's not voiced because without getting into spoiler territory, a lot of the psychological impacts that he has, mm-hmm. I just think it gets emphasized because you only hear stuff like him breathing heavily and his Got heart you. beating. And it's it, it gives him personality, like he's trying to calm himself down. Mm-hmm. Um, the stomping, like those effects that are iconic for Dead Space now, I think were formed because they were the only sounds from Isaac you heard. Right. Now that people know about them, I'm I'm curious to see what decision they make. I'm all right with it existing, but um, mm. I'll be interested to see no, how they handle I'm it. I'm with you. Okay. Like I said, it's all about the spirit of the game and, and capturing, recapturing that essence. So, yeah, right. I wouldn't want any corny voice if that was if it's about the psychological horror and, and that kind of tension so yeah. not yeah. that um when isaac is voiced the voice actor gonna write that they picked for him excellent casting decision he did a wonderful job dead space 2 they carried isaac characters forward so much mm-hmm. and made him someone worth caring about so it was a good choice it's not like it ruined the series it's just the first one I think had a charm to it because gotcha. he wasn't because voiced. He wasn't. So I'll be very, very curious to see how they handle that. And if I hear his voice, I'm not going to lose my mind. It's just more like a, all right, let's see how this goes. This is how it goes. Fair enough. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This one's a great one that I didn't know about. VRG writes in, Hey, Dynamic Dukes, with Death's Door reaching 100k players in its first week without the help of Game Pass, is the concern that Game Pass might hurt game sales worth worrying about anymore? Clearly, the Xbox faithful still buy games. Another example is MLB The Show, which was on Game Pass. It still reached the top 10 list of most downloaded games on PS4 and PS5 for June. So Death's Door, a game that we've been talking about a lot, recently released 100K players in the last week. Major congrats to Acid Nerve on a phenomenal success, it seems. That is excellent to hear. Really enjoying the game. Mm -hmm. What do you make of these numbers, though, man? I mean... That's a that's that's way higher than I I put it. Yeah, at, that that listen, that's way higher. I I didn't expect that. Um, salute, you know, to the, the question coming in. Yeah, like it, it it's interesting, right? Because you know, on one hand, because you know, here Game Pass, Game Pass every five minutes. Obviously, this wasn't that, and you're still seeing the numbers. And then, you know, to correlate 
like with, with uh, what he said in reference to um, MLB The Show, Outriders, that kind of thing, you know, I look at that and I'm like really impressed because both, I think it was uh, March uh, was Outriders and March had, um, you know, them at least like three in MPD I'm looking right now. They were let, that, that's insane. And mm-hmm. then I'm looking at April with MLB The Show, right? Again, in Game Pass. I think they were both April. They actually. were both April when they first? Yeah, I think April 1st was Outriders, actually. So Yeah, so it's yeah. like, but if you look at it, the thing that surprised me, especially with MLB The Show, was that digital sales wasn't included. And the thing mm-hmm. about it, it was still a paid game. And I remember looking at that paid list and saying, wow, like people are still buying the game. But to this point of a non-Game Pass game, so to speak, and still selling, it to me it just goes to show you quality games, people xbox gamers are still buying it that that's what i look yeah. at it you know what i mean but what about you i was thrilled to see this I, I really was it's very infrequent i see like a stat for a company i mean it's a little different with indie devs but in general i when i see stats i don't get really hyped over their success it's like oh good for them you know i'm, I'm happy but with death's door i saw this stat that vrg sent i verified it because he put a, a link to the tweet that they posted and i, I went wow man that's so that's incredible um, and I think it does put to bed to some extent that Xbox fans are are buying games. I think Xbox in general had already proven that point when they showcased the numbers for games on Game Pass day one, mind you, mm-hmm. which that store was not Game Pass at all, and how people were were still purchasing them. I yeah. I, I treat it almost like an extensive blockbuster rental. Right. Eventually, with the blockbuster rental, you can buy the game and keep it, which a lot of people did. Right. Same mentality with Game Pass here, except you can finish it. You can go as deep as you want before you go like, all right, I want to keep this. So major congrats to Acid Nerve. I don't really think anyone within the Xbox ecosystem is super concerned that Game Pass is hurting sales. Right. I think it's more so on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Number four, the late Nate. Hey, Cog and Maddie. So this was the FPS boost question I was talking about. Yes, FPS boost has really helped some games feel new again. For myself, I finally wrapped up the DLC expansions to Dishonored eight years after I started it, and they were phenomenal, especially the Brigmore Witches. Better than the main game. And it was at 60 FPS, which was honestly the reason I finally went back. So I'm craving more Dishonored. I think it's finally time to crack open that pre-order for two. I never played from release, only to find out the horror Dishonored 2 is stuck at 30 FPS and an unstable 30 at that. So the question is, what is the logic to picking games for FPS boost? The follow-up to Dishonored 2, Death of the Outsider, does have FPS boost, which is kind of wild. Further, does it make some full series playthroughs more difficult because of jumping between different frame rates? Really Mm -hmm. interesting example here yeah this this is a good one this is a good one shout out mm. to the late nate yeah mm. man look this is a good one um obviously i actually have some first hand information with this because we've had uh jason jason ronald on iron Lord's podcast and these are questions that we posed to him because you know when back compat even started we were like yo you know how come this is not on it and you know this game is on and then when it got to fps boost we were like yo what's going on like this these seem like slam dunk games to just do it what is the issue so it, it's a combination of things one you know they have to get permission from the actual you know what I'm saying developer or publisher as far as you know but that they're going to do it because from my understanding internally this is something that they can do they had fallout i believe four really early on on, on 60 fps showcasing that the tech can do it the issue comes down to from what i was told is that for some games 
when you when you do these varying these techniques that they utilize to vary the frame rates what happens is there is a chance because they have to test the game all the way through and there is a chance that there could be some inconsistencies or game breaking bugs so that is another reason as to why we don't see it sometimes because some things literally make sense there's a couple of games i'm like yo what's going on this you know this, this is a slam dunk why is there no fps boost so that's what it is so sometimes with those games a little extra care is needed a little sometimes you got to go to the dev and say hey we got 80 percent of the game to to work with it but this that you know this level here is given a problem you know that kind of thing right. so it's one of those situations it's it's a case by case basis and then the last part like i said earlier is more of a, of marketing sometimes you know if a company plans on doing a remaster <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to sell you or something they may not be keen for Microsoft to utilize this technique yeah. <laughs> because they were, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's the business side also, but yeah. that's, that's what I'm hearing. Absolutely, and that's well said, and there's really nothing more I can <laughs> add on to it than information from the man his, himself. I imagine their selection process is also pretty limited because I remember when FPS Boost was introduced, we learned it was not like through optimization and the raw power of the consoles, but more so an under the hood trick that fools the system into boosting the frame rate. And that could also accelerate objects in games. So you could have items flying around at a speed more <laughs> rapid than you would expect. And, and it like pretty much to your point, it can break the game. Yes. So that's probably why you're seeing Dishonored one 60 FPS two. They may be struggling to find something out, which would make sense because for those who don't recall when Dishonored two launched, very broken game at least on pc struggled big time technically and frame rate was a big part of that conversation they finally got it working but by that point a lot of people had moved on and so i think when it comes to consoles they may be having to do a little bit more of a delicate process with that i also think it boils down to some series may not be popping off enough for that i mean dishonored has struggled exponentially Mm. and it does not deserve that but it has it is a phenomenal series but i can't help but say the series is sold poorly yeah so i feel like with them deciding to dedicate assets and time to fps boost on a game that by the way you should play but not many people are right i think they're like whatever just leave it at 60 yeah, no, no. I mean, valid points. And when when you're saying that, it has me thirty. Sorry, uh, 30, yeah. sixty. It, it, it has me thinking of Andromeda right now, and oh! I'm just, uh, yeah, and I'm just like, oh! I know. I, trust me, I'm there with you on that one. But it mm-hmm. it is interesting to me now that Legendary's out, and they still ain't even. They acted like that thing don't exist. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say they're 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 giving it the New Vegas treatment yes. before Bethesda joined Xbox. I agree, hundred percent. I agree. Andromeda does not exist to buy exactly as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it was the beginning of the end for them in one way. Like, I would like, to, I ain't gonna lie to you. There's a part of me now that I play the chili. I, I kind of want to see it at 60 just to see, just to mm-hmm. see. But we know it's the redheaded stepchild. We, we know what that is. Well, not because here's the thing there's a lot of people like you, Gog, who, yes. are, who are gonna want to get that 60 FPS Andromeda experience. Mm-hmm. Here's what's gonna happen. Let's go ahead. Bioware is going to get taken for fools. They're going to do it thinking people are in. People are going to pick it up. They're going to go through the first two hours and go, wow. Wow, they lost it here, man. They, lo- they really lost the memo here. And then they're going to put it down. Put it down, yeah. So shout out to Bioware for being self-aware. 
I'm gonna give him props. You give him props <laughs> just based off my assumption. <laughs> Act like that don't exist. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Number five. East of Eden writes in, good afternoon, Dukes and Lords. That's oddly specific because we are recording yeah. the afternoon. Salute. I'm someone that very rarely purchases games day one. However, I would buy a Dead Space remake day one, ignoring all reviews and what anyone else says simply because I want more Dead Space. Seems like Maddie has a similar similar opinion of Dead Space. So what is a dominant series that you would blindly purchase day one just to support the series? Also, <laughs> shout out to King and Addict. <laughs> And their discussion more like yelling at each other on Resident Evil and Dead Space. I tend to agree with Addict. What Resident Evil started, Dead Space has perfected. That's actually well said. That's well said. Yeah. yeah. I, yo, ILP was lit. Yeah, this Sunday, it, bro. It was <laughs> it was a full-scale Civil War. I just sat back and let it go. <laughs> King and Addict. It was Addict and Solve on Team Dead Space. Versus King alone Dude, on King Resident Evil. King loves his hills, man. Yeah, he, he, he was dying on, on this one because they were coming for him. And yeah, it was like, who is the survival goat? And Attic was like, look, you know what I'm saying? It's Death Space. So I was like, look, it's Death Space. They're doing something different. And I guess, real briefly, King's argument was most likely, you know, well, if it wasn't for Resident Evil, there'd be no Death Face. And it was a funny argument, you know. Yeah. And, so like, and King's not wrong. He says the thing. There's always a little truth to King's argument. Yeah, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a little truth in there, you know? Saul <laughs> did drop kick him, though, because Saul said, well, by your logic, that alone in the dark is the goat because alone in the dark... <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> but anyway, it was survival hard. But look, as far as to the question, does it East to East, so what is the dominant series I would blindly purchase day one? There's a couple. I'm a big XCOM guy. I don't care oh, what XCOM is cool doing. Pick. XCOM is literally... I remember playing that game, booting it up on the... I think it's PlayStation 1 for the first time. I never played that. That was like my first tactical game. Nice. And I was blown away. I was blown away by the customization. So I think they are the kings of the space. Whenever they do anything, like when they did Chimera Squad, we had the devs on. You know, I played that. I, I'm going to always support them. So I'm waiting for three. The other um, will probably be... Um, my fighting, I'm, like I said, I'm a huge Tekken guy. So mm. whenever whenever my man comes out, man, you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, mm. I, I'm there. I'm there. You know, yeah, I, yeah. It, it's, I, I'm a huge, when Harada makes it Tekken, I'm there, man. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love that series. You know, I'm very passionate. So those are probably two off top. I mean, obviously Destiny. I mean, you know how that is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm I thought that would be your first answer. Yeah, that's I mean, you went to me, that's just like, self-explanatory. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, even, I try to be different. I try not to be so predictable <laughs> with my stuff. But no, no, no. Those are three. But what about you? Like, what, what games regardless? I think I know, like, one or two. Like, if they, I'm if, curious. What are your picks for all right, me? All right, my picks for you, if a new KOTOR... Is yeah, announced. Yeah, okay, you're there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm there no matter what. Um, yeah. Obviously, Fallout. We talked about yeah. that. You, 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 team, right. you yeah. team Bethesda. Yeah, it, it's. I have a, a shamelessly long list of stuff I probably would buy blindly without watching a single review. <laughs> I try to avoid watching reviews anyway, so I guess I technically do this. Mm. But to my point is, if I were a consumer who was like looking to like buy a game. And I was not in this YouTube space. Yeah, there's a long list of series like Dragon Ball, okay. Persona, Danganronpa. Ooh. Like those are three right off the bat that I'm just like, yeah, I see you. I'm buying you. No doubt. 100%. No doubt. You know, like Star Wars that gets in there okay. with the games. Yes. The games, not the movies. Not the movies. I, I haven't even seen Rise of Skywalker yet. So did you I watch have some... Mandalorian at least? 
Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. How did you feel about it? I just ran it. I like Mandalorian. Okay, I think me too. Good. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You know, but but beyond that, when it comes to Star Wars gaming, yes. I'm always there. Because okay. I just have a insane nostalgia for Star Wars gaming. It was massive for me. KOTOR aside, by the way, course, believe it or not. It was massive for me growing nice. up. Like Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy Ooh. was one I replayed a lot. Okay. I even played Star Wars Obi-Wan a lot, man. Okay. Like I just I've played even the mediocre ones extensively. Boy, that boy so. resume is extensive. Yes. I like this. Yeah, so there's a sad long list there, but um <laughs> hey. I'm a decent reviewer, right? <laughs> I respect it, though. But it, we, we all got those games, man. Like, yeah, it don't matter what, whoever, whatever anybody talk about, I'm mm -hmm. picking it up. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get into the news before we talk Halo and all that good stuff. I thought this article from GamesIndustry.biz about Sean Layden was really interesting. Yes. So much so that I wanted to put it in our first slot even though it may not be the most important one to our listeners, but I think they'll find it interesting as well. Sean Layden spoke about the importance of diversity in games. The crux of this talk was the budget of games continues to rise and how will game companies navigate this hurdle to remain affordable, not only for consumers, but for those companies to continue making them. Quote, with each console generation, the cost of games goes up two times. So PS4 games we're 100 to 150 million, so it stands to reason that PS5 games, when they hit their stride, will be in excess of $200 million. It's going to be very difficult for more than a handful of large players in that space to compete. This dovetailed into how consolidation, something the games industry is seeing a lot of as of recently, can damage that very diversity. Quote, during that time, we have also seen much more consolidation. Consolidation is the enemy of diversity in some ways. Mm. It takes a lot of players' pieces off the table as they grow into these larger conglomerates. And again, we end up with the problem with diversity. Music on a revenue basis is probably one-fifth of the game space, but their cultural impact is 100 times what gaming is. Right now, we are narrowing ourselves down into genres and sequels in certain types of games. Favorites of my own, like Parappa and Vib Ribbon, those things don't seem to get the chance to come out on stage. That's bad for the industry and for fans. Over time, that leads to a crumbling of the games industry if we just keep talking to the same people and telling the same stories in the same ways. This eventually made its way to the subscription services as well, given that he believes gaming, as we saw there, needs to expand. Quote, People don't buy consoles because they want more steel and plastic in the living room. People buy consoles because they want access to the content. If you can find a way to get the content into people's home without the box, then yes, indeed. Everyone has a streaming solution of some form. Most of it is limited by whether you have decent internet connection, and they haven't constructed the business model that works yet for that. It's very hard to launch a $120 million game on a subscription service charging $10 a month. You pencil it out, you're going to have to have 500 million subscribers before you start to recoup your investment. That's why right now you need to take a loss-leading position to try to grow that base. But still, if you have only 250 million consoles out there, you're not going to get to half a billion subscribers. So how do you circle that square? Nobody has figured that out yet. End quote. Ooh, lot to unpack there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sean has Sean's outside. He's talking. He's yeah, talking. I was gonna say he's getting around. Look, I mean, look, I don't wanna invalidate. There there are there are there are a lot of good points in there that he's made, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do understand 
the the thought process of you know games kind of when he's talking about these like, kind of like these indie darlings and these these unique games right you know i do feel sometimes they don't get that shine to stand next to the big triple a you know rah-rah type experience so i get where he's going there the the thing where this is how i look at it when i when i look at his statement and i look at what sony's doing and i look at what microsoft's doing right to me it's two different things because on the sony side i do think what he's saying applies more because i do feel that you know on if you look at not all like i would say the majority of it but you know there's there's kind of the successful games that have done well for them the past generation has been those single player narrative story driven experiences right and those cost a lot right to to make and to continue to make so i do get that part you know and 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 with the rising cost of video games and so on and so forth right and then he's saying even 70 dollar games ain't even gonna you know kind of match what what needs to be made but on the other side i look at it and i look at what xbox is doing and i look at these diverse titles we just finished talking about like you know a psychonauts and you know we, we started talking about all these smaller kind of de- um, dar- darlings that are in the service the, the thing where I disagree with him at is that he's saying that the, the you know, the $10 model, it, it's just not going to, description is it, going to kill diversity. I feel Microsoft is finding a way to do that initially. The the issue that I think he's not, he's missing, so to speak, and I don't want to be disrespectful because this man is a visionary. He knows way more than me. I'm not trying to do that. All I'm trying to say, the only thing I, I really, I doesn't think it applies to Microsoft is because they're, if you're looking at the console space and just the console space, then what right. he's saying was is is true because that pie is there's only as big as it's gonna go. But Microsoft's not doing that, right? Microsoft is yeah. also doing mobile, they're also doing cloud, they're also doing PC. And yes, those are gonna take time to grow, but PC we've already seen they've had success. So their approach is on multiple platforms, which is where they get to that, what is it, that 2 billion gamer magical number or whatever it is they're going for. So yes, short-term investment, you're going to lose money up front. There's no doubt. Sean is correct with that. I just feel with Microsoft's approach, it doesn't necessarily mean this end of diversity and, and stuff like that. And can I say something brutally honest? This is this going to be a little, a little controversial. You know, the rumors are, when he left, we can assume it may not have been the smoothest transition out based on the way it was handled and public perception, right? Yeah. If you look at PlayStation's current focus right now, the rumors are blockbuster, focusing on those big games, whatever. Based on what his comments say, Maddie, this is just me. Again, opinion. I have no information. I'm just opinion. I'm speculating. It seems to me his philosophy is different from, per se, maybe a Jim Ryan and a Herman Holtz, right? And that, to me, would make sense as to why he's moving on or that he was, you know, the the, the structure, the infrastructure was changed. That's the last thing I'll say. Again, I'm just speculating. But what do you what do you think about all of this? There was a lot to unpack, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of comments, you know, where, where are you at with this whole thing? Yeah, I think you're entirely correct, by the way, on the difference in philosophy at PlayStation. I think that much is super apparent and safe to assume. Yeah, I think he almost has a... He acknowledges it, but... And he wasn't directly talking about Xbox, but of course, Xbox was the only standing successful subscription service, um, or growing, I should say, not really fully successful in the terms of profitability. 
But yeah, he's limiting his point of view here. Almost, I think, give himself a more of a leg to stand on because it's clear that Xbox from the start has really tried to go beyond the Xbox console, smart TVs, phones, tablets, computers, what have you, and maybe even other consoles. We've talked about the Steam Deck. We've talked about the Switch. There's a lot of ways for Xbox to get on your device eventually. And I think that that will help them achieve the number. My question is, and I think it's sort of in line with Sean, is how you know to, to reach the number he said, which was, let me just double check it, 500 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. You got to wonder, I mean, how long does Xbox have to invest for to right. hit his hypothetical number? It almost seems insanely out of reach right now when we don't know the exact number of Game Pass subscribers. Last Correct. we heard it was 18 million. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the last, uh, or 20 23, million. I believe, was. 23? Well, I think that's what they were hoping for. Yeah, you know, you may be right. You may be right. You may be, yeah. It may I thought be that was 18, the last 20. one they put on paper. Yeah, you may be right. You may be, 18 may be the last they put. It's in that 18, 20 Yeah, 20, 20 ish. Yeah, you may be right. It's probably past 20. Right. But still, far cry from your 500. Yes, correct, correct, correct. And mm-hmm. even far from 100 million. Yes. So I think there is something worth listening to here with Sean, um, which is, you know, how long can you hold out and continue to invest? Um, I think if you're, you know, you got Microsoft at your back, Xbox is probably the only one capable of pull, pulling this off. I think that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Where Sean comes to the standpoint of, hey, we worked at so- with Sony at PlayStation who has money. They don't have Microsoft money, but they have money where they have to. He looked at it this way, like, okay, games are increasing a lot in price. We need to slim them down. We need to lower our budgets, provide more experiences that are tighter. That type of philosophy is what he believes in. That's really all it is at the end of the day. Just how he wants to make games and sell them versus how other companies want to. The point I'll make that I do agree with him, you know, is that we have to be the point where I'll give him is this. We got to be cognizant that games don't, because of subscription service or whatever, don't fall into templates. Mm-hmm. The MMO, you I know, the, the looter yeah. shooter, the engagement. So the only thing that I feel for, at least on the Microsoft and the Xbox standpoint, that I would like to see is I would like to see with your beloved Bethesda, right? When we look at something like a Starfield, right? Oh. And I want to see when those single player games hit, because we've already seen, you know, um, what you call it. We've already seen, we talked about the Outriders, the MLB show at nauseum, right? But I want to see a single player game that doesn't have, because remember, let's be real, MLB the show, you most, you know, you're going to play against your friends sometime. Outriders, you, you, you play with your friends, right? So that right. creates engagement. I can see people buying it outside or, or, or of just the game pass service and stuff like that and also being sustainable but i want to see single player games that's what microsoft has to prove because those to me represent and a lot of those indie unique games represent kind of what sean is talking about that he doesn't want dying so i would love if one of those exclusives let's say bethesda when mpd comes out do those still reach in that top you know whatever based on you know what we see in the trends in the industry because normally it's usually like the call of duties the maddens the nba 2k that kind of stuff i'm very curious because if xbox can 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 prove that that to me is a big statement and that those are games that generally don't get a lot of online engagement it's the quote-unquote one and done so to speak so i'm, I'm very curious in that way but yeah 
Yeah, and it's interesting because he thinks consolidation is the enemy of diversity, which, you know, something that Xbox has just recently done with right. buying Bethesda and sort of rolling them in. And it's funny because I almost disagree yeah. with that. I, I feel do. like yeah, um, I'm seeing more diversity as Xbox invests more into the industry. I agree. I look at their ID at Xbox program. They're investing more in that, getting more teams under their belt. And we're seeing more there. I, I feel like I'm seeing a more different, exciting Xbox. In fact, once they rolled Bethesda into their portfolio first-party studios, that was the one thing people were talking about was the range of games and type of games, rather, that they offer in comparison to PlayStation, who was doing a lot of third-person open-world stuff where mm -hmm. you had your shooters, your RPGs, your RTS games. Right. I just thought that was a really interesting comment to make. Of course... That is narrowing it down to Xbox. Right, if you look correct. at someone like Tencent who's investing and nabbing people up that we talked about, they got Sumo Digital. Mm -hmm. They had large investments in like Activision, Ubisoft, or um, what was the company who was it Tencent who acquired Gearbox or not acquired Gearbox? They acquired Splash Damage. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. Splash Damage. I know because they made Tactics, which is my beloved, and we had the dev on from mm -hmm. Tactics. To talk about it because I'm a I'm a tactics right. fanboy. Hell <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, and so I just maybe it's directed more at those other players there. Where I think Microsoft is in it, what we're identifying here is I think Microsoft is in a very unique privileged position yeah. where uh, they're able to sort of navigate past a lot of the problems here. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to focus on that more than anything, of course, because yeah. it's an Xbox show. But beyond that, I think there is a lot of truth to uh, what Sean is saying here. Personally. Yeah, valid concerns. Valid concerns. Like I said, I definitely hear a lot of the stuff where he's coming from, and uh, again, it's 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 worth monitoring moving forward. Yeah, because he's beat the budget drum for a while. Yes. he's been really big on the idea that game budgets are way too high, and they continue to grow and they continue to invest, and eventually you cannot reach that profitable point. Right, and I agree with that. You know, I. I Maybe it's because these companies just swim with so much money. They just want to invest more because they can. Right. But I'm of the mindset that, like, how can we accomplish our goal with as little as possible? Because you look at a game like Death Store, I bet that game, you know, 100K players, I think mm -hmm. it was 20 bucks a pop. You're talking $2 million in just raw mm -hmm. revenue. I'm looking at that going, I wonder how insanely profitable that game is because of how minimalist it is in its design right. like it it really wasn't doing anything it was very sharp great looking game it's one of my favorites right so i don't mean with any disrespect it's yeah. just like it didn't do as much so i look at it and go well we make two million sale or two two million dollars off of that like that's probably mega profit based off how much they invest in the Good project point. so i think sean also looks at it from that point let's invest small and grow big like right. there's much more of a, a profit margin there yeah and, and on the flip side we you know in, in in the indie scene you know we, we we talked about it a lot about you know how you know costly it is to try to get a game over the, the finish line and, and the thing the, the part where i i do really rock with sean is with with diversity and original thoughts i feel the indie scene kind of pioneers that because i feel the bigger you know, publishers kind of get set in those templates and they're, they're afraid to take risks because if you bomb on that level, mm -hmm. it hurts, right? Yeah. Whereas the indie, you know, it's a little bit more creativity, but now they just need the funding to kind of get over over the finish right. line, so to speak. So like I said, it, it's an interesting thing worth watching. I, like I said, I don't agree, I don't disagree with everything he's saying, you know what I'm saying? I, mm -hmm. I do think there's a lot of 
points and valid concern with what he's saying. The only thing, I, like I said, I'll, I'll double back with the diversity on the Xbox side because if anything Xbox is doing well, it's yeah. the game diversity. Like they've yeah, got a plethora absolutely. of genres and things that I was like, who wants Sea of Thieves? Who wants Grounded? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm fooled and, and made wrong all the time because it's not yeah. just about me as a gamer, as a hardcore game. It's it's about the whole. So it's whatever catches on, you know. I think a more valid concern would probably be just games made for the subscription service once this once the subscription service reaches yes. that level. And by that I mean that type of game, contraband, from what we've heard about it, Sea of Thieves. I just look at that and how Xbox has said certain things and they're like, oh, we're working on more narrative games than ever, which is really exciting. Right. But I also look at some of the games they're making and it seems like a consistent output of of service titles that would fit beautifully with Game Pass. And even though they go, oh, we're not making games for Game Pass. I'm like, you're making them with Game Pass in mind, though. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's why the Bethesda acquisition meant so much to me because I know what they do. Like that, that to me, when I see them promote a Starfield and you know about the, the catalog and that's their focus. I mean, remember Bethesda came out with the commercial before, you know, mm. you know, keep single player a lot. Like, so again, when I see that- That was so weird. Cause I think they didn't even like, <laughs> I don't think they even, I think they announced like Young Blood that year. I'm that, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that was pre-acquisition, but I understand your point. You, you, you yeah. know what I'm but I look at that. I look at NXI, I look at Obsidian. These are the Western RPG narrative based studios. So in this service, the key to me is monitoring and how those things are going to chart and how they're going to do well. Because to your point, you can't really microtransaction that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For the most part. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to monitor. Right on. Number two, let's get into the Xbox stuff. An important heads up. In the latest Insider Flight Update, 343 Industries has shared that members will be able to go hands-on with Halo Infinite starting July 29th until August 1st. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll already be experiencing that. The test will hone in on the Halo Waypoint Companion for mobile and web, as well as testing the menu navigation for the Battle Pass UI challenges and customization. More exciting for fans, I believe, is that they will also test multiplayer bots in the Bot Arena playlist, which pits players in four versus four matches against AI-controlled enemies. Three maps will be available, Bizarre, Recharge, and Live Fire, where Slayer is the only available mode. The four available difficulties for the bots are Recruit, Marine, ODST, and Spartan. The test will arrive on PC first, with Xbox players shortly thereafter. Prior to the technical preview, 343 will host a live stream detailing the available build. Cog, your face lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm in You were all excited about I'm this. It wasn't looking good. They let me, let my, my, my VIP came late. Now I can go into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going to check real quick. Nothing you check, yet. Check, check it out. Check it out. Make sure you got nothing, it. Man. Nothing yet. No, nothing all yet. Right. I have an email from True Blue, though. Okay. As, okay. You know, like I'm going to go travel or something. <laughs> Listen, hopefully you get uh, it right. But yeah, I'm, I'm in. Look, I, I, I love this type of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm all about, I'm, I'm a huge insider program kind of guy. I'm the mm-hmm. guy that I'm always on the console giving feedback, improve this, do that. I'm that guy. I will write a Bible about what needs to happen. You know what I'm saying? With, with, you know, I've always felt that way, especially if you're going to be the opportunity to to give input. So yeah, this is this is exciting. You know, Halo with bots, that is a big deal for me. I want to know, I'm very curious on the difficulty levels, like how 
what does the master level bot play mm-hmm. like? Like, is he mm-hmm. like esports champion? Like, what yeah. does that feel like? You know what I'm saying? When you play with a room. And I also like it because let's be real. You know, one thing about me as a person that plays looter shooters and multiplayer games and things like that. One thing about those type of games, you need heavy player population. And Halo is one of those games that they have such a diverse body of lists, oddball, this Mm -hmm. and battle and all these other crazy things. So at the end of the day, sometimes you don't get to fill out that player base at the very start of the match so i think the bots will be important to see how that joint goes through but listen at the end of the day i'm pumped i'm excited i want to see what goes on like i'm in (laughs) so i want and i want to see the abilities i want to see what's the feel of the game i know a shout out to uh chris chris reagan who you had on you guys did an amazing halo bro that was fire yeah 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 deep yeah, did the deep dive with that. Yeah, you know that was like over two hours long. I think. Yeah, like that was fine. Yeah. I was I was glued to the end of my seat. I was like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> so like for me, you know, being at Chris is kind of in my vein where it's like the hardcore. We we have a certain feel and and, and air about us about the way it should mm-hmm. be played. And one of the controversial things has been, I believe, um, you know, the sprint, the dash is kind of removed from Infinite, right? So how right. is that going to play? Last point I'll say, and I'll give it to you, is that, you know, they, they're going big with um, armor abilities. Obviously, we've seen in the trailer, one of those was to reflect shots. You know, the grapple hook is an ability that changes yeah. fundamentally hijacking. I want to see what's the new meta of Halo Infinite. Mm-hmm. How does it play? How, does, how, do the, how do the casuals receive it? How do the hardcore receive it? And granted, it's yeah. versus AI bots, but it, it will get a feel of the game, and that—that's what I'm excited about. Whatever, are you this? You know, obviously, hopefully, you get in. But <laughs> like, like, we gotta give them. How do I feel? Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel in reference to like Infinite? Are you the guy that like casually comes in? Do you, I'm trying to get what what side of the fence you're right. on, no, with abilities and stuff. Yeah. I'm just teasing you. Uh, yeah, I um. Yeah, for me personally, I would say I'm more alone. I'm a lover of Halo, but maybe not. Like, here's the thing. With Chris in company, it's really tough to be like, I love Halo because Chris fucking loves Halo. Facts. I would say I like it a lot, though. Okay. I come from probably a more casual standpoint, admittedly. This is important. You played it a lot in, in middle school and high school. A lot. After that was three, four, three centuries. I didn't play it as much. I sort of fell off. Like, it's just kind of a... A thing that I enjoyed, but it wasn't the thing I loved as dearly as I did way back when. For me personally, I'm not too beat up. I'm I'm, I'm ribbing three four three a little bit. I'm not too beat up that I'm not gonna be able to shoot some bots. But I really was keen on getting a feel for the game, especially for our audience to yeah. to get in there and to to get them a show. Um, I'm thinking that maybe you and Chris, if if you guys are both down, we'll have to yeah. see what Chris is up to. We can try to figure something out oh, for that it. next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may not be able to participate in that, but that's okay. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I'm just really excited to see what what fans think because for me, I was always I really never took a deep cut and analysis of of what Halo played like. Right. You know, like for me, like when I remember I, I first saw sprinting in Halo, you know, I didn't lose my mind. Okay. But some people were like, this is bad. This is going to change how maps run. Mm-hmm. And over time, I learned. I was like, okay, this mobility, like based off set spawn points and, and the power weapons, like this can change the trajectory of the game. Right. So with Halo Infinite, when I started to see more of that, I was looking at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And when I started to see that melding of old and new right. is when I was like, all right, this looks fire. So for me, I'm going to be curious to see if that expectation, that feeling that it provided when watching the trailer 
is actually delivered. I got to you you making a great point because there is with Halo, I feel there's always a civil war. Right. And that's the kind of experiences this. There's the hardcore. Right. And then there's the casual. And, and, and to me, sometimes as a hardcore player, we I think we forget that Halo does need to appeal to a generation of masses that don't really didn't grow up with it, don't have that emotional attachment or any of that. So my question to you, I'm gonna give it back. Halo 5's multiplayer with the sprint, with the movement, that kind of stuff, did it appeal to you? Did you say, hey, this is cool? Because I know some hardcore guys that don't want sprint, that don't want ADS. Like, so mm-hmm. I want to know, like, where do you fall with how much fun it was for you, the last one? Sprinting is okay with me. ADS, okay. I did not like at all. Really? I did not like the feeling of ADS in Halo. It just, something about not shooting from my hip felt wrong. It really, really did. I felt like it. It. I did it. Maybe it did. It felt like it took some of the skill out of one of my favorite modes. Like I love SWAT, and like it's just that feeling of just like literally popping heads mm-hmm. left and right. And there's a feeling when you're doing that from the hip versus when you're aiming in. I just not like ADS in Halo. I I will say that I almost forgot about it because it's been so yeah, long. But that was one thing that I did not feel great about okay i'll say fair enough sprinting i'm open to it's interesting because sprinting is probably more damaging to halo right right? like it for for a lot of hardcore don't like the quick burst movements and they don't like that but continue exactly yeah i was gonna say just precisely that and it impacts the map design and the spawn locations and it becomes unpredictable and in turn messy so i think what I had a problem with may have been more of a feel thing gotcha. um, rather okay. than than what truly would impact the game. So okay. do you want to toss that out there? But mm. I'm excited to see what people think also of the maps. Yes. Um, you know, that's really important. That might be more telling than anything Good on a point. mechanical level. You know, we know that they're they're dropping new items in the game constantly and the game will evolve and we'll be able to swap those out, use them for specific maps. But it's really just what will the maps play like what will they feel like how quick will you get into encounters like what's that timer like yeah good point that's the type of question that maybe chris will answer for us <laughs> yeah, hopefully we get him in about yeah that'll be that'll be cool beyond that though that'll be happening this weekend and there will be more for people like myself who are yeah. just sitting on the outside <laughs> watching <laughs> help Maddie out man we yeah. gotta help Maddie out right now it sucks because it's not like it's not a situation by the way for those wondering who may be in the same boat thinking like, how can I get in? Mm. It's not like a, a beta key or a code. Like it's connected to your Xbox account. Yeah. So it's less someone's like, yo bro, here's my whole Xbox account. <laughs> Sign in and play the flight. Like you can't do that. So, can't do it, yep. <laughs> so Good yeah, point. Good point. stuck there. Number three, last time Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella spoke about Xbox. He said they were all in. Perhaps now we are beginning to see the reason as to why beyond a great game plan by Phil Spencer's team. As part of the company's earnings call this week, Satya revealed the new Xbox Series X and S are the fastest selling consoles in Xbox history. Despite that, they reiterated that the console production is still restricted and would continue to be. The earnings call also revealed more information beyond this stat. Microsoft's gaming revenue is in its most recent financial quarter up $357 million or 11% year over year, driven largely by sales of Xbox consoles. Hardware sales were up 172% year over year, which would make a lot of sense given that they just launched a new one. Separately, Microsoft did not provide an update on Game Pass subscriber numbers during the call yeah 
Yes. Look. Keeping that one close to the vest, it seems. Yeah, they still, they still, um, you know, got to get that number. We got to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. Every little coy with that number. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. You know, maybe, maybe they waiting for around, you know, twenty five or something. Who knows? Yeah, but, maybe, maybe in the fall when it's all said and done, when they they'll see the true burst of like first party games in there and yeah. all their day one gets. But that might be why. But yeah. more to the conversation. Fastest selling consoles in Xbox Ooh. history. This is. I look at the 360 and go, oh, "That's wow. what I." Yeah, yeah. Wow. That, that's literally my thought process. I was just mm-hmm. like, "Wow," because 360, I consider golden era for them, and for them Absolutely. to say that this, yeah, outsold it, and with uh, supply constraints, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that. That's impressive. That's great. You know, look, 172 percent. I mean, these ain't n- numbers to sneeze at. I did see content and services down four percent so i'm just a little curious there just want to know what's mm-hmm. going on there but overall like the health of them they're, they're, they're doing fantastic this this is to me way above you know probably what maybe their anticipations were and it, look it's gonna be a healthy generation hey, for a console that launched with no exclusives bro no halo at launch no nothing yeah, yeah. and and they you know they've tried to fill in the gaps here and there with some stuff, but you know, we really haven't seen the true meat of their plan. For them to have the fastest selling console now, it shows that people are really buying into the vision that they have. Yeah. And it could be a train wreck if it doesn't <laughs> live up to the to the hype. But I think I, I trust them. I trust the teams beneath them more so, um, where I feel like they'll deliver. Yeah. And the final point I'll say is that look, number stuff is great. I love it. But what's cool about this gen, and I, I'm gonna beat this drum, is that all three are doing phenomenal doing different things playstation just put out their numbers just now i believe it was like 10 or 11 million Herman yeah, 10 million consoles yeah, like, for ps5 that's insane wow. right so you got that then you see what switch is doing you know what i'm saying just the just the pure success and and, and them being you know as far as units on a hardware units on mpd almost every month mm-hmm. you know this is one of these rare general i've never seen this before as a gamer where you know Usually, one of the big three doesn't do as well at the same time, right? Yeah. This is all three with all three different approaches, all doing well during a pandemic, during chip shortages. This is impressive stuff. As a gamer, I love it. We get more better games. We get more competition. This is great. I love it, man. And kudos to Microsoft. They're, they're doing their thing, man. And, yeah. and like I like the first statement. Satya, and I always butcher his name. I always say Satya. The, the common boys kill me. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Like, Satya, Satya. He said he's all in. That's all I wanted to hear. As a person yeah. who my preferences for Xbox on a lot of things, you just want to hear that the big brass is committed. Absolutely. And you can see why now. Yes. Number four, Monday afternoon, Playground Games took to the Xbox Wire to provide fans with more information about Forza Horizon 5, which drops November 9th this year. On top of new beautiful gameplay featuring the Emerald Circuit Race and screenshots, they've revealed three new biomes, swamps boasting plenty of foliage, jungles flexing their god rays, and a volcano, which is the highest geographical point you can reach within the Forza franchise yet. Additional information stated that Forza Horizon 5's weather, which shifts depending on which biome you're in, will have its seasons function just like Horizon 4, where they will switch weekly. Now, according to the audience, I hate Horizon 5. Ah, they come for you? Oh, yeah, because I was like a little upset with how much they showed. Oh, because they gave, they gave us yeah. so much time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
I saw this. I was like, hey, this looks great. I'm looking forward to this game. So what did you did you check in on some of the stuff they revealed? Yeah, that listen, y'all see, did you Canyon? Wow. Like mm. again, it was one of those situations. I remember watching the the showcase, the long showcase that Maddie was like, when are y'all gonna be finished with? <laughs> you keep drinking my water. <laughs> I gotta let you have that one. But at the end of the day, I remember them zooming in and I'm like, wow, that's a great photo shot of this canyon in Mexico. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is good. And then you see the car zoom by and I'm like, yo, yo. Okay, we, we got to put some respect on Playground Day. It's, it's, it's time. Yeah. Like, even I've been kind of fronting, like, oh, yeah, they make car games. Bro, no. there's levels right. to this. And they are flexing right now with what they're doing with graphical fidelity. Remember, this is a cross-generational game also. And, like, the thing about it is it's so impressive. I went back. Now I've been playing four. I was telling you I play. I've been playing Forza Horizon Four because I got the Series S in the bedroom. So now I'm playing a little. I'm gaming a little bit more now because now I got Adventure mm-hmm. before I replaced my Xbox One X. So yo, on the S, this thing looks amazing. Like it's really beautiful. So right again, now. it goes to show me like yo, they are just technical wizards. This thing's gonna do well, and yeah. they just they just stunned man. They just stunned. I mean, I, I love Horizon as the casual racer it's for me i'm not the motorsports guy i'm not sitting in there tweaking i'm not doing all that that's not me get me in there if i mess up i press the rewind button and the fun continues best feature feature for you and i what what, like did you what's your thought process seeing this latest stuff it's impressive i mean especially for an open world game i mean it looks incredible you you mentioned cross gen and my head was in the open world space where if this was a a forza motorsport game and you look at you go all right like makes sense they've confined things for extra fidelity it's like oh no you can like go anywhere too and that's insane um they're really reaching high with this game and i i admit a lot of my excitement more so spawns from the idea of look what they're doing here what will fable look like and so i think that's fair but on its own independently, I think Horizon 5 looks great. Uh, Horizon 3 was really what got me back into racing games. I used to never really play them. Um, I'd play the Burnout games, Need for Speed. I was very much an arcade racer. I had a buddy who was really into motorsport. He tried to get me into it. I gave it a shot. It just wasn't clicking for me, and I thought those days were gone. And then Horizon stepped in and sort of pulled me back in with its blend of of arcadiness yet accessibility but also you could tweak the settings to be a little more hardcore felt like a beautiful hybrid so this looks to be more of that i really like the location more than i thought i would some of the biomes that they were showing off i went yeah this is this is legit you know they were talking about different cars you have to use for those different biomes and i was i was big on that so i'm i'm really excited to play this one like i said it's coming out november 9th this year um and there is that digital deluxe package and stuff where you can get a little bit earlier so keep that in mind but it will also be day one game pass shout out to playground games though you're totally right put some respect on their name yes they're coming they're coming playgrounds outside (laughs) (laughs) number five a significant day one game pass drop on october 12th is getting an open beta in august that game is back for blood which comes from the developers behind left for dead for those who pre-order back for blood with well, I'm sorry, I had a typo here in my script. That's rare. We'll have early access beta windows from August 5th to August 9th. If pre-ordering isn't your thing, that's all right. The beta will open to everyone starting on August 12th and carry on until the 16th. 
across the Xbox family of consoles, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC, including cross-play. Fire. That's a big one for a Game Pass game. Huge for a Game Pass game, but also... I, I love Left 4 Dead. I was going to say, you getting in on this? I love Left 4 Dead. The hours of tomfoolery with my friends mm-hmm. with that game, mm-hmm. I would play nonstop. And now I forgot it was crossplay. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. like that is insane. So mm-hmm. now just having those lobbies and stuff and, and more people to play with and stuff like that, people laying on. I, I think, like I said, provided it plays well and, you know, the beta is, you know, structurally okay. You know, this has the potential to be a huge hit. That is a very cult-following, beloved series. So, yeah, I'm all in on Back for Blood. What about yourself, sir? I'm the same. I'm definitely mm-hmm. playing this. Not only that, but, man, if you don't like Left 4 Dead, like, you can't stand <laughs> it. I, we got to question I'm not turning you. My back to, yeah, I'm not turning my back to you, man. I don't trust you. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's like... <laughs> I think it's just inarguably fun at, so at the fun. bare minimum. Um, and especially when you get on PC with the Steam Workshop, the amount of wild mods you can just throw in there. But yeah, for me, I spent countless hours on the 360 with buddies, mm-hmm. just running the maps, running the DLC constantly. Love Left 4 Dead. So yeah, to see more of that coming, I'm hoping things shape up a little bit more. I remember when I saw the alpha, it was pretty rough. Of course, it's an alpha. But I trust that they are going to shape things up here. And this is a great get for Game Pass. Definitely one of those in-betweener games that in the busy time of the fall, you may not want to spend your money on, but it's in that co-op window where you're like, this would be fun with some buds. Yeah, It's kind of what happened with The Ascent. The Ascent, I've been very excited for. I've been vocal about it. My buddies, not so much. Mm-hmm. But then we found us on Game Pass, which I already knew about. I told them that. And then we learned, I didn't know this, four-player co-op. Yeah, I thought it was only two player. Oh, I didn't know what's four. Oh, that's five. Yeah, it's four, right? And so now I got everyone in on that, right? Let's everyone go. wants to play a little bit of the ascent now. Let's go. Same thing I think might happen with Back for Blood, mm-hmm. although that's assumed through Left for Dead. It's like, yeah, we're gonna get that four player co op in there. So I'm very excited to see what people think of this. This is coming very soon. I didn't pre order, so yeah, of course I'm not gonna be in on that beta, but. Uh, I will happily play the open free beta August 12th where yes. we can all discuss it. Number six, the coalition has shared some tech demo builds in Unreal Engine 5 and Gears of War 6 has been confirmed to look really good. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? It's tech, tech demo stuff, man. You know, look, it's impressive tech. I, I, I do like tracking that stuff. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. Unreal Engine 4. Like, I, I tell people all the time, like, if you've played... I, I get the Gears boy, fanboys and they feel it. It's like, Gears 5 is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Hive Busters mm-hmm. is next level. But before Hive Busters came out, I told people, play tactics and look at those cinemas and those in-game versus what's going on. Bro, it is mind-blowing what they did with with 4, with Unreal Engine 4. So now with them using 5, them making the statement stating that um you know they're going to take that time to really work that engine. I think they may have like another warm-up game before the next Gears. Just kind of familiar, yeah. Yeah, familiarize yeah. with the tech. I love this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it, it's really cool. We saw PlayStation initially had their initial demo of it. You know, look, at the end of the day, it's a tech demo. It's not a real game. There's, there's no AI in mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just a visual showcase to show you potential. Now, you got fanboys out here counting triangles and doing all this stuff look it's it's an impressive engine both consoles use it you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day we're gonna get better games 
as a result. So from that standpoint, purely, I'm excited to see what Unreal 5 does. Absolutely. I can't add a single thing on top of that. I know I've said that a couple of times this show, but I literally can't add a single thing on top of that. That was every thought I had lined up. So I just mimic exactly what Cog says. With you, brother. Let's get into number seven, which we got into extensively on Defining Duke Ultimate, but for our non-patrons, of Patriots. course, it's important gotta get we talk on this about ultimate. this. I got, I got a plug. Y'all got to yeah, get on please. this ultimate. We, mm. the, the, the fire Duke ultimate, that's the, us my yeah. ultimate warrior pose. Yo, I'm telling <laughs> you, man, it's fire. Yo. We got we dropped like two or three fire ones in this discussion, which we will continue, was, was a main point of it. Really cool. Absolutely. The indie developer pendulum appears to be swinging in favor of Xbox after years of PlayStation dominance. What began as a Twitter thread describing a platform X, which detailed Neon Doctrine's independent publisher, by the way, negative experience of PlayStation has now carried into a new interview by Twinfinite with replaced developer Sad Cat Studios. The biggest part of the partnership for us is that Microsoft actually cares about the indie market. Otherwise, well... There would be much fewer games on all platforms. They really give us a chance. Or I'm sorry. They really give a chance to small studios to actually produce something and provide marketing awareness to people. I would say that for indie studios, I can't even think of a con with partnering with Microsoft because they provide funding and marketing reach. This gets a little bit more interesting now that we know how Death Store did. We did not have access to that information when we did our full episode. Now we see 100,000 sales for Death Store in a week. That marketing reach is legit. We saw the game itself. That funding is legit. So what do you make of these comments now with Death Store in the rearview mirror? The key comes down to the proofs in the pudding, right? And right. everything sounds great. And, you know, oh, you know, Microsoft's doing so well, whatever. But what are those numbers? What are those? And now you're starting to see it. I remember even yeah, the dev that you have, forgot the student that made Descenders, remember? You know, and then they, oh, yes. they no came back with how yeah. well they did. Like, we're starting to see practical information, tangible information in reference to why they are raving and hooting and hollering. And it, mm-hmm. it look, this is great. And to, to double back, to what we were talking about with Sean, this is the game diversity stuff that I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? When you Good see point. a death's yeah. door, when you see a replace that looks beautiful, right? And oh you my. see, bro, I'm ready for that. I know you ready. I'm ready, man. Yeah. So it's like when you see these type of rigid, I, I look at something like Somerville also, like I can't mm-hmm. wait. So, you know, this is the stuff that you want. And if you're if you're on the Xbox platform, if you're at ID at Xbox, you got to be pat yourself at the back a, a little bit because you want indies to feel comfortable coming to your platform. It's, this is great stuff. I, I love to hear stuff like this. And, you know, if this is going to be the play, you know, for Microsoft for this generation, I love it because... To me, it's always those indies that sometimes give you those really game-defining, game-changing experiences that you're like, yo, I didn't see this one coming. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see what more comes out of this because I think when all of it starts to come together, we look at the Ascent. I'm sorry, I'm talking about it so much. I'm just no, very it. excited to talk about it next week. I can't and wait. you look at all the other ones you mentioned, like Somerville and plenty more like Replaced. I'm like, man, now more are going to come. What are they going to be able to accomplish? That's tremendously exciting because that is that diversity, that juice that sort of fills in the gaps. Like if we didn't have indies in the month of July, we talked about Chris Tales. We talked about Death Store. We're talking about The Ascent. They were major for Xbox and there was not that difference in level where sometimes when they're mixed in, 
sometimes the indie's a little bit forgotten, unless it's a true gem. Yeah. They yeah. were really in the conversation this year. And I'm starting to feel like this the summertime is perfect for indies, and I think Xbox knows that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start to find their groove there a little bit. Like yeah. next June to August, we see another burst of indie titles. Yeah, it, it, well said. I mean, you, you like just spacing that in between the cadence of the big titles. And then the other thing that I like is it creates a domino effect because mm-hmm. other indie developers get confidence like, oh, wow, you did that. They talk with each other, right? Yeah. Wow, you did that over there. And you know yeah. what? Maybe I can put my game over there. And it, it starts to, you know, and look, People are making money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things things happen. You know what I'm saying? Then yeah. people start seeing that, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I agree. I I, I like this trajectory and I like that they, they seem to be all in on it. And for a lot of folks, is it it's as simple as profitability aside, hitting the finish line. Yes. Right? So it's not just a sunk cost. And if Xbox can get you to the finish line, not that PlayStation hasn't, by the way. They have great indie yeah, course, games in development. You're Shout getting out that seafood. seafood. That's seafood. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. there? Okay, yeah. That, mm-hmm. that seafood is Same all mindset. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. absolutely, dude. That's all ninja, right? Like, yeah, that's psh, all. Come on, yeah. I grew up on that. Like, ninja <laughs> yeah. kung fu flicks? Like, man, I'm all Absolutely. In. Yeah. I just feel like that alone is is justification enough to work with xbox being able to say hey we're you know we're going to get you there we're going to get you to finish this game or if you know you're going to finish the game or you're comfortable with your budget xbox is like hey you're going to work with us we're going to make it better yes we talked about that a little bit with psychonauts we talked a little bit about that with wasteland just wanted to touch on that a little bit more because i think that is a undersold part of game development is making it Yes, it's great when we see the success stories and the sales, but actually getting there to say we can sell this. It's ready to be sold. Market awareness also helps when you see the developers. You see Phil Spencer tweeting Death Door. He's playing it and he's, look. Oh, I didn't see that. Bro, he's tweeting it all the time. He tweeted a couple times. Bro, this is a big deal. Like, that, that, that is a difference. When, when, and, and when we talked about the storefront stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when I lo- load up my, you know, dashboard and you see an indie game right there sharing the space with, you know, all these other big titles, that, that gives them a puncher's chance to get more recognizable, you know, re- recognized in, in the market. And it, it, it's, it's good. It's good. I, 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 I like how this direction is going. Agreed. Let's get into our Game Pass pick of the week, however, as the news is concluded. Now, Cog, this is all you. And for those watching the video version, you already know what game he's picking. Bro, I'm above the clouds, baby. I'm above (laughs) the clouds right now. Microsoft Flight Simulator. Fun, fun stories out this week. Y'all pick that up. Look, I had it initially on PC. Now, granted, my PC is not robust you know, like a 1070 ti you know my cpu was lit you know what i'm saying you know i got my little eye <laughs> so i'm not gonna throw myself completely under the bus got my nvme and stuff but that game man that used to really eat up resources and re- you know it, it's a demanding game now full yeah. disclaimer do not i would say do not pick this game up personally if you have bandwidth restrictions <laughs> if oh, yeah. you do not pick this game up because in my opinion yes can you play it yes but shout out to Carrick by the way he's got a good review the difference between playing it with it and without it is mm. is it's not it's not the same just the detail because 
this is one of those situations where the power of the cloud is real. This streaming technology, this map technology, that they're streaming this real-time data, so you're getting this highly detailed world mm. is super impressive. And to me, you're doing a disservice if you're not, if you're playing this game or not. So that disclaimer out the way. This okay. game is gorgeous. Oh my god, this game, really, bro. Okay. I'm playing it on 4K on OLED. I, I tested it on my Series X, 4K OLED CX. It is absolutely stunning. Just looking at wow. the plane models in the hangar, you're going to know it's stunning when you see the title screen come up and they show on the 747 jumbo jet takeoff and you're like, oh my God, it's the most beautiful thing. You see the, the cockpit, the weather effects, the rain dripping off the, the, the dashboard. Awesome. And bro, this is beautiful. Then just the, the novelty of just setting like a path and be like, you know what? I'm going to fly over to South Bronx today. I was gonna say, did you, did you visit your house in the, uh, Bro, in the game? I'm flying over City Field. I'm oh. like, yo, this is crazy. Like it is. <laughs> now, granted, it's Are you not, able to land anywhere. I think they added that as a feature. Yeah, you can try to land. I was crashing the plane a bunch of times. I'm not the greatest pilot. <laughs> just, just, I'm not the greatest pilot. But at the end of the day, you have the ability to do some landing, some cool things, especially the planes that can actually have the ability to land on water and stuff. Those, those I forgot mm. those type of planes. Whatever. I'm not an aerial guy like that. But look, this game is truly a graphical showcase. That's number one. Now, the thing that really blew him up, shout out to my, uh, we, me and King call it little man owners. If you're a little man owner, a Series S, we call that little man. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> yeah, it's little man. He, he punched him up his way. He, he, he's strong. He's little man strong. But here's the thing. Bro, I don't know how they did this. This is technical wizardry. I played on my S after hours of playing on my X. And I'm sitting there, and that's just, I'm playing on an LED. No, I, I have variable refresh rate. That's another feature you should have on your TVs if you're doing TV. I don't know how they did it. I can't see that much of a drop-off. And that game wow. is demand on the S. It looks beautiful. I'm not noticing the difference. So to me, this is the ultimate sell for Series S, punching way above its weight. And last mm. thing I'll say is... um. My, my nitpick will be, you know, obviously this game is kind of meant mouse and keyboard because you can see even when you move the menus around, it's like a moving a mouse. Yeah. yeah. So some menus are a, it's a little clunk in some menus. I'm not going to sugarcoat okay. that. Right. I will highly advise during the tutorial because it almost gives you. Remember when you played Gran Turismo back in the day and they gave you like licenses for each thing? This oh, sure, thing, yeah. yeah, this thing is breaking down. It's like going to school. If if you choose to do that, you could just do open flight. But I wanted to be have a little more hardcore experience. I was going through the menus, going through the training. Okay, how to do my takeoffs, how to do my landings. And, and they have like a real-time narrated. They did a little bit more extra for the console person who just wants to learn. And if you don't want to do all that... They got AI assist to help you land, fly, and all that. You could just sightsee. They got monuments, bro. Nice. It, it's this is this is this is they got one. They got one. This is uh, awesome. a phenomenal game. You know, even if you're not into simulators like that, if you want to see what your system, your console is capable of, do this game. Just make sure. Play it with the bandwidth and the, and the internet things on. <laughs> that's all yeah. I would say. Yeah, play it with it. Otherwise, it's gonna look a little rough without that. <laughs> awesome, man. That's a that's a hard sell on the game. Yeah, that really is. That makes me want to download it because I I know I wanted to try it out just to like I said, fly to my own place. Yeah, 
see what that's all about, land there and go like, oh, and then that would be it for me, it, right? Bro, that's what I said. But it, I, you got me wanting to take a deeper dive. It's relaxing. And that's the thing. The music is very subtle, very ambient. The plane, the sounds of the plane, you really feel like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm out here. You know, like, I'm, yeah, I'm like so- how this may sound like Don't a stupid it. question. You know, I've, I goofed around mm-hmm. back when I was in college with a bus simulator game. And it was for humanity's worst games, by the way, because it was a really <laughs> bad one. So I, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have done that because when I look at simulators now, I'm just like, mm, I'm all right. You know, I know what it's like when you got one that doesn't explain stuff to you. Mm-hmm. How intricate is oh, it? God. How, how much are you getting in there and, and flicking switches and touching buttons? Okay. Is it like, yeah. is it overwhelming and really? The f- That's why I said in the beginning, I went straight to tutorial. The tutor- there's a lot like they've got all these switches and all that other stuff but the beauty of it if you don't do the tutorials and you just go into one of those like pure flight modes and you pick a destination you go there you can literally have everything automated and, and, and have it to the point where it is so simple you're not doing much right so that to me is the big sell because there is an intimidation factor when I started the tutorial in the beginning, when I did the tutorial courses, which you don't have to do, but I did it. And it's like, pull the yoke. Look at this switch here. Do that. But they, they, they <laughs> will, I will say this <laughs> to not scare you. They break things down like one. Each lesson is maybe one or two devices at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, and it'll tell you in the upper right corner. Oh, you did well. And she'll give you the narrator will give you because you're basically having like a co-pilot. And they're like, I'll fly cool. the pain plane. You do this at this point. Good. That's your lesson for today. Next lesson. You see what I'm saying? And it's it's broken up into parts. So gotcha. what you'll like is simple enough for you that you're not going to get overwhelmed. They really hold your hand. Like, they really do. So, yeah, you don't have nice. to be on some Top Gun. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Yeah. yeah, all that. You don't have to do all that if you don't want to. Cool. Yeah, I was just wondering because that was like the one thing that I thought of and went, oh, this could be a problem. No, trust me, I'm with you. I was scared to death when I first played. I was scared to fly. I was like, I don't want. If it, that's how real the game feels, like I don't want to mess up. Oh <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Is bro. it um? Mm-hmm. So you said you were crashing the plane. What happens when you crash? I never seen it crash. Yeah, they don't. Game. They don't do a visual representation of the crash. Okay, yeah, I was it's like say. as soon as it happened, it, then the screen go black. Yeah, you crash. You destroyed the landing gear. <laughs> okay, and then it's okay. like okay, restart. Whatever, whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, this doesn't seem like the type of game that like you hit the ground. There's an explosion. Okay, any one of those. Any one of those. I was just curious about that. All right, sounds like a good download. Mm-hmm. Curious yes. to know. I mean, we've been getting a lot of great Game Pass games where we're probably gonna be rolling with new releases for a while, which is which is really exciting. We don't yeah. got to dig too deep for once. For sure. Cody Richter wrote in with a suggestion of his own, however. We love when the audience writes in with Game Pass suggestions. Hey, Cog and Maddie, I wanted to throw in a Game Pass pick of the week that I don't believe has been mentioned yet. Dante's Inferno. This game at face value appears to be a Devil May Cry, God of War clone, and although it somewhat is, the story and setting of it all is just so unique. It's one of Visceral Games hidden gem. Wait. Visceral? Visceral. I feel like I feel like uh, Soldier Boy with Drake. Like, All right. Visceral. <laughs> visceral. In my opinion, and I have to recommend it to anyone 
who enjoys a good, gory hack and slash. Have either of you played this game? And if so, what were your thoughts? As you can tell, I haven't. Cog, have you? I have not played this game. I was going to defer to you. I have not played because I. Wow. This is high praise. This is. Wow. This, I don't want to say hyperbole, but this, this is high praise, man. Mm. I'm, I'm going to check this out. We at got some to point. Cody got my, we're going to make us check it out. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, because I'm. This looks like a. This looks like a download, a visceral. I mean, okay. Shit, man. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Cody. All right. Five ending questions to conclude. Our show begins with Wonkeen Brunch. Hey, Maddie the Duke and Duke the Lord. I have a more long-winded but well-worth-it question that I think is worth it. At least I hope it is. With Tencent buying studios like a withered hand in a bag of Werther's Original, is it time for Xbox to finally pull that trigger on Sega? Now, I know how the Sacred Symbol boys feel about this, and I couldn't disagree more. Sega and Xbox are hand and glove on what they offer each other, and continuing to let them swim in a pool full of sharks might end up hurting someone in the long run. For one, Sega offers Xbox the foothold in Japan they so desperately need. They're a recognized and respected brand in those regions and offer unique marketing opportunities in the Asian market. The Sega Xbox, anyone? Two, they have history and many of the missing genres Xbox is looking for from mascots, JRPGs, and family-friendly titles. They have it all. Finally, Xbox has the capital to make more dominant, or I'm sorry, more dormant IP live again and not on, not on a ventilator living but full-blown AAA breaths. People seem to poo-poo this by pointing specifically to Atlas and having issue with an Xbox-exclusive persona, but I don't think Phil would do this. Phil is no fool and knows what the market is and would most likely continue to publish Persona and SMT everywhere while keeping other projects first party. Why buy them then? Well, because Xbox would finally get those games that typically skip the console. What say you, gents? Is it time to lock Sega down before Tencent, Embracer, or anyone else swoops in for the kill. Thank you for all you do. And whoop, there it is. <laughs> I thought this was a really good question because we always talk about acquisitions and the nature of Xbox making their next purchase. Now, it's funny is we talked about NetherRealm being a protective purchase, but now that Joaquin has put this thought into my head with Tencent just, just sniffing around, man, and, and they smell the blood in the water and they're going for people and locking them up. I, I would love to see Xbox get this one, if anything, just to keep Tencent from getting in on Sega. Now, Sega, I don't think they need investments from anyone. I think they're doing very well for themselves. But I do agree with the disagreement with Sacred Symbols. There is 100% history here with Sega and Xbox that would make sense, more so than Bethesda, by the way, where if Xbox said we bought Sega and they started coming out with the speech, the PR of, yes, we have worked closely for years. We would not be here without them. I mean, there's some truth to that. Truth to that. There's some truth to that, Facts. right? And so it actually wouldn't be PRBS or behind the scenes dealings like what happened with Bethesda where we're like, all right, I, I believe you, I guess. So what do you think about the idea of a protective purchase that clearly addresses needs, but generally even speaking beyond Sega, does Xbox need to start amping up a little bit if only to keep it from falling into the wrong hands? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Put your hands together for your king. This man was in my head. I smiled from ear to ear when you were reading this because I was like, oh, I'm so glad we talked about this because I've been saying this. And it's so funny, the timing of this, because I'm literally doing a Sega retrospective podcast this Saturday. Hell yeah. yeah. So it just the timing of this is perfect because, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a Sega kid. And, you know, Sega kids will tell you Xbox is kind of the spiritual successor to when Sega died. That's where a lot of Sega kids went and found their home mm-hmm. when their favorite was killed off by PlayStation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, look, I remember the days, man, when Saturn dropped their price and PlayStation 1 dropped their price. And that was the end, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, Scars for the, the Dreamcast, excuse me. But look, at the end of the day, this makes perfect sense. Like he said, the relationships are there. There's so many titles. We talk about the the obvious favorites, the the personas and all that stuff, right? But there's so many dormant IPs that if they could put their hands on and reimagine you're sitting on stuff. And we talked about the consolidation prior, you know, the, the issue in the past with them being with uh, Sega Sammy, where they were these multiple divisions. And now I think one of them was Pachinko and arcades and all that stuff. They've kind of separated that business model. It, it just makes sense. It re- it really does. I think it, it serves multiple purchase purposes. Cause like you said, the JRPGs, I think even football manager, Maddie football managers, huge yeah. for Sega. Like they've got yeah. all these IPs that they're sitting on and it makes it at, at the bare minimum. My, my point would be this. Even if you don't do the full-on acquisition, but that's the style, which I want, you could still do some kind of an EA deal where, like, EA's games, like, for example, they're in Game Pass, you know, kind of thing, permanently for, for the most part, and then maybe the new release is a couple of months later, but you, you got to do something with them. To me, it, it's a yeah. marriage that makes sense. It just does. I, I would love that, man. I would, too. We've seen Sega talk ever so positively about Game Pass. I think Yakuza is more popular than ever because of Xbox. This is huge. Talk about it. Just a series that probably they thought would forever remain niche is now very much recognized by core gamers. Not mainstream, but it's very much recognized by core gamers. And dude, I mean, like Xbox, they do need some mascots. You get Sonic. Sonic? I I don't like Sonic much, but you get Sonic. I mean, that's... That that is the kind of family friendly kid mascot that if you brandish that across the front of a Series X console in a Walmart, man, bro. I mean, it sells itself. It really does. It's like Fallout all over again. Where I'm like, dude, put me in Phil's seat. I got this. Bro. I got this. I could steer this ship. Yep, easily. It, there's so many. And again, I gotta speak to my OGs right now. Like, mm-hmm. like there's so many titles that sega has like the golden axes the streets of rage the fantasy star they've got these iconic franchise shinobi you know how i feel about that (laughs) you know what i'm saying so that's my namesake cognito's built off of that that namesake ninja shadow and you know the invisibility that kind of stuff stealth so at the end of the day it's just like this makes sense and and to, to joaquin's point you know i think phil would do what he said which is like for example what was existing multi-plat might initially stay that way, right? Because Phil's not going to be the bad guy and just snatch it off, off the top, I feel. You know what I'm saying? With with that type of situation. Yeah. But I, the last point I make is this. Outside of Tango, right? And outside of potential Hideo Kojima deal that's rumored, rumored, alluded to for a while, 
you need a foothold over there in Japan. Why not? Why yeah. Not? Yeah. And it almost because I want to play devil's advocate to my main argument I've always made with Xbox, which is that I need I think they need to attack the third party and pay them to just bring their games in general to Xbox to sort of establish like we're supporting these games. But also, if you're going to be investing as much money just to get people to bring them there, why not get the big fish and get them there where you know they will be there? And then the others will come because you've now made a stamp in Japan and you are bringing Japanese games and that base will build. That would be huge. huge. That would be I would go to length in this buyer's market. I would say they would go double the price of Bethesda. I would say they would go the double argument. the price of Bethesda. I just think, especially with just, they have so many IP like Sonic with the Sonic, the Hedgehog movie that did really well, where I look at Sega and how far out they spread that there's probably, that deal is going to be a mammoth if it ever happens, like 20 million or a billion, sorry, 20 million would be insane, but (laughs) 20 billion, it'll be, it'll probably be, if it ever happens, the biggest deal we'll see ever in. In, in video game history it'll be huge man and like i say what, what man sega kids are gonna rejoice if that ever happened mm-hmm. it is it is that is the 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 true true thing that a lot of fans want to see and and i i know listen the only issue just comes in their defense you know we don't know the complexities with the whole acquiring it you know a japanese of entity course. like that so it could be that it could be these talks are there you know we'll see what happens but something needs to happen i i really would love sega so so bad i agree i agree entirely i think they make so much sense but time will tell let's move on to groovy baby Hey, Cog and Maddie, loving the new dynamic between you two so far. Your show is an exciting and energetic overview of an exciting and energetic time in the Xbox ecosystem. Thank you, Groovy. My question is simple. With the release of Halo Infinite slated likely for sometime this November slash December and the first batch of beta flights likely sometime this weekend, which we now know, have either of you dipped your toes back into Halo 5 or the MCC scene in the lead up to what's shaping up to be the biggest release for Xbox in years? Halo 5 gets a bad rap, but the multiplayer is a fast-paced and action-packed load of fun with a dedicated player base. Finding games is no issue. If not 5, have you perhaps considered going back to various multiplayer playlists in MCC or even a run-through of the campaigns? I didn't play a Halo game in years, last touching Halo 4 at release and never even finishing the campaign. Going back, they've been an absolute blast and the most fun I've had in a competitive multiplayer game in a long time. I don't know how to say this last word. Do you have a... Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a new one. Slayente? Yeah, I'm not sure how to actually say that. And here's to the future of Xbox, Halo, and DD. Follow up on how we pronounce that. Yes. I don't want to disrespect the effort you're putting in. Yes, 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 have yes. You had a little hankering to go back and, and, and mess around with some Halo games. I asked that because for me, I'm one of those people where I want to, but I also don't want to burn myself out on Halo before the main Halo stuff comes out. So where do you sit on this? Yeah, I mean, I I, I did um, jump back into five multiplayer wise because I wanted to get a, a, a refeel, what the feel, how it was, what that gameplay loop, the meta loop, as we talked about earlier with the you know yeah. thrusting and all that stuff. So I did that. I did a little Warzone. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Master Chief Collection is always going to be something, you know, that for always the nostalgic installed. feels. Yeah, like always, always. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. once they uh they did reach, the only ones I'm, I'm going to do the reach in the ODST add-on campaigns because I haven't done those in a while. Because remember when Master Chief Collection first dropped, they didn't have 
those two components. They were added on later. So yeah, I'm going to probably do both of those. But I agree. I'm not going to burn myself out and go crazy and play. I mean, no disrespect. There's people right now who are like so hyped. They're going through everything in chronological order and... I I got a lot of games to play. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm there's yeah. just too many games to play. You know, what I'm and Destiny's selfish. So yeah. at the end of the day, I will definitely do ODST and, and Reach and, and leave it at that. And um, yeah, I got a little bit of fever, a little bit of fever, mm-hmm. just a little bit. I think I want to save my hype for Halo Infinite. I, originally, I was going to take this summer to play through the entirety of the Halo series from start to finish. Mm. I did this with Gears at the beginning of the year. It was really fun. It didn't take us long at all. In fact, we beat one through three in like a week. So I know Halo falls into the same campaign length, or maybe I get a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction and reverse on it, but right now I'm not planning to because I'm excited for Infinite. Halo's not so foggy in my head from a campaign standpoint where it's like, I need to refresh, I need to know. Like Gears, you know, I I was spotty on. Like I played them in all completely different order. Mm So I was like, all right, let me let me go back and play those. And we went one through five and then tactics. Right. But yeah, now with with Halo, I just want to get in there and just experience Infinite. Because the reality is, too, as much as I'm excited for Infinite, I don't know if Infinite's something that's worth me caring about enough to say, like, I'm going to go all in on this. Right. Gears, I, I always really consistently liked. Halo in its original trilogy, I adored. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite gaming memories there. But... Right now, I got to see if Infinite is, is worth caring about. Where MCC is always going to be there. Of course. Those classics are always going to be there. So I might pick up like Combat Evolved one weekend and burn through that campaign. The mm-hmm. GOAT. Ah, right? the GOAT. I might go through that. But beyond that, I don't know if I'm going to do a full playthrough. But we'll see. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I started the Halo Combat Evolved campaign probably about a couple weeks ago with a buddy. He was going away in uh, for a month in a short amount of time. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll start this up. And then eventually we both realized we're not finished in this. We're not finished in this. And so he's gone. He just left today. And so he's gone for a month. So I'm like, all right, well, I got a month to, to I guess, not do that and <laughs> figure something else out. So there's some time for sure. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man, like I say, if you got the fever, do it. If not, I respect your stance. I think you make mm-hmm. a good point because um, some people are like, look, I just want to see what the new things about. Right? I just want to, yeah. and you got to. To me, I think you are the critical person they need to reach. <laughs> because I listen, I've had this discussion with many of my friends. That's I good think to hear. The, yeah, you are like that. That the, the super hardcore Halo guy is gonna. I'm gonna say something controversial. I don't think they need to overly concern themselves with that guy because to me, if Halo is to succeed, they have to get the person who doesn't care about Halo. They got to get a person who is in the middle with Halo, you know what I'm saying, that likes mm-hmm. it, but, you know, is not super, super hardcore, going to play it all day, 24-7 kind of person. And they right. got to convince that person. And it has to be fun to that person. So yeah. that, to me, is... I don't envy 343 because they're in a tough spot. This is an iconic franchise with so many opinions, so many thoughts. But um, I, I think that if if the analytics show that... The super casuals, the mediocre, the medium kind of guys with it, love it. They gonna lean that direction. Yeah, you know that 100%. may be to the dismay of some. Yeah, <laughs> indeed it shall. Snake Pliskin is our third write-in. Hello, Dukes. Do you think Xbox would ever officially allow keyboard and mouse input? I've been a PC gamer for decades, but now prefer the simplicity of consoles. That said, the lack of keyboard and mouse support is something that prevents certain games and even genres that I love 
from coming to Xbox. For example, Microsoft is releasing Age of Empires 4 this fall, and it is Windows exclusive as that game cannot be played with a controller. I would love to be able to play a game like that on my Xbox and be able to do it from my gaming console. Civilization 6 also comes to mind. I know there's a console version, but the PC version is vastly better, and I can attest to that, by the way. It could also allow a few more genres onto the console, such as hardcore competitive FPS, such as CSGO or Valorant, MOBAs like Dota 2 and League, and RTS, such as StarCraft and Age of Empires. It would certainly cause controversy in the multiplayer space, but I think that issue has been mostly solved by now by simply doing input-based matchmaking. What do you guys think? I know Xbox and PC aren't direct competitors, but it will allow Xbox to be a more fully inclusive platform that allows for all types of games, similar to what PC is now. Love the new duo. Thank you, Snake. What do you think of this? Them bringing maybe mouse and keyboard support to, to the Xbox console to experience certain games that they can't right now. Yeah, Snake is on to something because um, this was initially my frustration when Game Pass first was announced. I had an issue because my thing was like, I remember when Gears Tactics first came out mm-hmm. and it was on PC for a while. And I'm like, how is this not available? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? Yeah. I, was, I was in my feelings, man. I was like, you know, and now that I take a step back from it, it's one of those things that, you know, now that I've played both versions, I, I beat this game twice on PC and then I beat it on, 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 cons- on console. And the thing that I realize is that now that I've experienced both is that for them to do it, they want to have the, the, the mindset that I think they have is that they want to have controller inputs ready to go for the console guy. And not that they don't want to support console, uh, keyboard and mouse on console, but they don't want it to be limited to that. They want more mm-hmm. people to engage with the content. So that part I do understand. And I think that's why we get those those gaps and delays with those type of games. Because another game that's on there, um, I got to shout them out. We, we, we interviewed them. It's an amazing RTS. It's called um, Iron Harvest. It's made by those guys oh, at yeah. um, Coke uh, Media and all those guys. Good relationship. With those, those guys are awesome. And we've interviewed the, the devs a few times. And now they're in Game Pass PC. So I'm hitting them up. I'm like, yo, we're the console joint. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But again, it comes down to that translation and that one-to-one. Same thing. I just, I just preached about Microsoft Flight Simulator. That was another one. PC for a while, right? And right. then it came to console later. That was another one. I was even mad. I was like, how is my Flight Simulator not available at launch? Because I was like, because that game been out on PC. But I think the issue comes down to accessibility because they want some form of controller access and inputs so that the layman casual console guy can still play without it and i think that's why we're getting that delay so to it's a good point you know i I would love it to be there at launch but i think microsoft's thinking is if we can't get a console a controller guy to be able to play day one we've got to work out the kinks before we could bring it over i wish it wasn't that way because these games are amazing games that i feel that um console guys are missing out on and i i don't like that discrepancy where it's like this game's on game pass pc but this one's not on game pass console but that, that's my answer to it that's what that's what i think is happening 
Yeah, it's interesting because they have the Xbox controller, the Elite controller, you have the adaptive controller. They have like so many approaches and ways to access games and customize your experience. You'd almost think keyboard and mouse support would be a given. Yep. But I think it might just be another way to play games that are already there rather than bringing a game over and saying, we can only play this with the keyboard and mouse. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I, I get where Snake is coming from. Me too. On that level. But I think the idea is that as simple as when I buy a console and I buy a game for my console, it needs to work with it my controller. Preach. Yeah. That's what it, it, it needs ha- to work. My you controller. can't so, buy it, and then it's like, yo, I got this, but it can't. It ain't gonna work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a tough yes. sell. I, I think it just comes down to the business aspect. But he did make a good point. I don't want to under. He says something about input based management. I love that because mm-hmm. now once yeah. you've established that, we all know you PC master race guys got yeah. that got that advantage. So mm-hmm. Destiny's about to go through Licking this heads exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Like Destiny's about to go through this. All these games that have cross-play, uh, you know, are gonna go through this. See if these. Mm-hmm. You have to have separate matchmaking, or you tell the console guy, "Hey, you can jump in there, but it's an opt-in basis. If you in there playing against Halo Infinite guys on PC, you might, you, bro, you might get smoked." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah you're not kidding. You know what I'm saying? So that that's yeah. a big deal. I'm all about that. Just make sure there's an opt-in option for input and controller-based matchmaking. Yep. All right. Great write-in, Snake. Thank you. Dan Morgan's up next. Hi, lads. Hope you're both doing well. I got the Series S through Xbox All Access a few days ago, and it's blown me away. Been playing through the Dead Space trilogy for the first time, and it's great. I read that the second game was one of the most expensive games ever made when it launched. Why do you guys think EA took such a huge gamble when the first game sold only around 1 million copies? Been loving the pod recently and wishing you guys all the best, Dan. Thank you, Dan. All right. So, so, so are you, Maddie? Yeah, funny enough. Unless you're a patron of mine, I got to plug a little bit here Let's because go. Let's it's go. important. You'll know I just finished my life and death of Dead Space uh, video, which is a 28-minute piece on, as the title would suggest, the life and death of Dead Space. And I guess also now Rebirth. It covers that too. Um, and it breaks down the stories, the gameplay, what makes them special. It's sort of a love letter like I did with Sly Cooper. But it also goes into some of the nitty-gritty, the business dealings, and this was one of the findings here, which was that, yeah, they sold a million copies, but then Dead Space 2 was known as one of the highest budgets for a game ever. And it really mm. shows through its location diversity, its voice work, just everything about its set pieces, mm. its gameplay. Like It was clearly, I, I think, a much mm. better game. I think Attic agrees with you that he has two. You have two better than one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue. It just takes so many meaningful steps forward without losing its art. And I think it's because with Dead Space 1, they were very conservative. I, I believe one of the main reasons why Isaac wasn't even voiced in the first place was just because they thought, hey, we need to save money on this. So they cut costs everywhere. On the Ishimura, they reuse a lot of the the alleyways you take. Those assets are constantly repurposed. Just they have a different board uh, for advertising on it so that you don't feel like you're in the same tunnel leading into a new room. And when you get to those new rooms, they're tight. They're not super deep. There's not a lot of room for exploration. It's a quick eight-hour game, and it's over with. 
So I think they thought, all right, people bought a million copies of this game. What happens if we put more into it? And it grew. And then when Dead Space 3 rolled around, I think they put themselves in a corner because EA said for Dead Space to continue on, they needed 5 million copies of Dead Space 3 to be sold. Mm. Dead Space 3 was not a great game. And they took all the routes to try to make it this marketable game. They're like, we're doing co-op. You know, we're making it where you guys can play together. They made it more action-packed. They, like, mm. Resident Evil 6 the shit out of this the game. The EA effect. Yeah. Damn. And they were really in there. They threw microtransactions in there. They did it all. This was 2013, right? So this was, I think, really a dark age for EA between 2012, what happened with Mass Effect 3 and its day one DLC and its ending, <laughs> and then this. You could just see EA's hands were all, all over, over the shit it. that they were all making. All over it, it. yeah. All over so as to your question as to why they took this risk, I think it's because that was an era of EA where they were like, hey, we got something special here. Visceral came to us to work with this. Let's invest in their product. And then when they invested and I think they got some return, they were like, we want all the return now. <laughs> we're, we're, bringing, we're burning this barn down. They're like, yeah. we're making this multiplayer. Tendrils. Yada, yada, yada. Also, we'll put this in here too. Dead Space 2 had multiplayer. And I think that was their attempt to say, like, all right, let's create a fan base here. Because um, this was during an era where PS3 and 360 games were just tossing a multiplayer mode into everything. You'd get some pretty cool ones. This was one that was actually decent fun. And I think mm -hmm. they were trying to see if they could get something to catch on there. And so I think they were slowly trying to transform the series to make it this multi-million seller like they wanted. But they okay. needed the thing that was making it a million copies sales worthwhile for people getting in the door. Gotcha. So... I think that's the long and short of it, quite honestly, Dan, is they just wanted to invest in something that they saw potential in. And it's interesting because horror is a dangerous genre nowadays yeah. to really invest big in. It is. It is. It, it, um, kudos to them for trying, you know, Lisa uh, announcing the remake and bringing it back. But, um, yeah, no, this, this is good education for me just listening to you. You know what I'm saying? Just learning how, like, you know, the evolution but, of each part of the series and stuff. I, I've got to play this game because this 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 keeps coming up. It, 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 it's good to see how passionate people are about it. So that's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this either about how, how passionate people were about it. You know, I don't know if it's because like I brought it up and said like, hey, Game Pass pick of the week. I don't know how much people like take my suggestions and, and run with them. But yeah, I was I, I've been really pleased to see it just constantly in our writings. It's been nice. Yeah, absolutely. Last question of the show goes to Dakota Brown. Hello, Cog and Maddie. This question is more at Maddie since he's a Pokemon fan, but I'm curious about Cog's answer too. Now, yeah, I, I know sometimes they're geared towards me, but I, I really want to know your answer to this big time. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Pokemon Unite? I've never been into a MOBA, but I tried it over the weekend, and I love it. My biggest issue with the game is that it's made by, and this is not me throwing in the spice, fucking Tencent. <laughs> <laughs> so I will never spend money on it and support their horrific practices. A second question for you both, if you have the time, of course we do, is the following. Is it right to play a game by such sketchy developers? Have either of you had this experience? Thank you again for the awesome content. Woo. Yeah, man. We all got, I think we all got that dirty game. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. I just said mine at the top of the show. It's League, man. Ten cents all over that. I don't pay him money, but yeah. ten cents all in that League <laughs> business, man. Like, my Lord. Holy crap. So that's mine. I mean, you got one like that? Destiny, I guess, right? Destiny, yeah. bro. Like, listen. <laughs> let me let me let me explain the pain real quick. 
you know, and dealing again, shout out to Bungie, but de- during the Activision era, oh boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was tough to defend. Actually, I didn't defend this game. And this, I, this is a fantastic question to go to because this is what I consider those moral compass questions. And but the long and short of this is this is a personal decision, right? You know, if you do not like the practices of of the studio head or who owns them, the publisher and all that stuff, but you you have every right to say, yo, I'm not doing it, I'm out. And I know people who were Bungie fans. Destiny came out, they were in. Once they heard Activision, they said, I'm out. <laughs> and yeah. they were like, I'm not doing the microtransactions. I'm not, you're not nickel and dime me for DLCs. But the most egregious that all my Destiny fans know, especially if you were on Xbox. Oh boy, exotics locked behind exclusives for over a year. Um, maps, you know, the list goes like literally. I'm paying the same amount a PlayStation gamer would play, right? And I'm getting less content, and it's being. And here's the worst part about it, Maddie. They would say, "Yo." After one year, these these maps, these exotics, this gear that was exclusive to PlayStation would then eventually come. First of all, one year is excessive as it is. Yeah, I'm used that's, to, that's a lot. That's man. a lot. Like you play Call of Duty, you know, okay, one console, a month, a month or two. Right. That's yeah. fine. First, respectfully. They talking about a year. Right. So that and now mm. these are these are if you don't play Destiny exotics fundamentally changed the game. If you have like an exotic it's such a rare item. And these other players are not even, the Xbox guys are not experiencing it. So anyway, long story short, I'll never forget this. Shout out to Destin Gary. That's the homie. Got to mm-hmm. plug him on this one. So Taken King comes out, which is a huge DLC, their next big DLC, right? Prior to that, there were about two to three exotics that were PlayStation exclusive that their exclusivity was going to be up. And then... Xbox players would play. It was an iconic gun called the Hawk Moon. It was a bunch of guns that were finally Xbox guys going to experience. So Taken King comes out. That's, that's it's, it's time. Oh, no. Your man Destin's like, so uh, Xbox guys going to get that, right? And he had B- Deej, who was the uh, community manager for Bungie. And poor Deej, it wasn't his fault. He's getting told by Activision he can't really talk about it because guess what? They secretly extended the language of the contract without telling anyone. So not only were Xbox guys not going to get it for like another year, it was so bad. I called Hogue up. Shout out to Hogue, Last Stand Media, baby. Stand up, baby. Hogue Law, I see you, baby. I see Colin, I see you. I see what you're doing. But anyway, (laughs) but yo, I called Hogue. I said, Hogue, we got to get you an ILP. What the? Can they legally do this? And we brought him on, and it was a big show. And it was one of those things where contractually, Activision kept nickel and diming with this exclusivity deal that they had with Sony that was at everybody's disadvantage. Because it, but at his last point, this is where it really was bad, especially with the Crucible maps, the PvP component. Mm-hmm. Those maps, because they were exclusive, they could never be included in the game's most highest mode, which is Trials of Osiris, because only one one fan base can experience it. So they had yeah. so basically less people were playing less things. That was probably the worst example I've seen of a sketchy company, you know, doing sketchy practices really affecting a game. And when Bungie broke free and went back on their own, 
people were rejoicing in the streets. It was it was it was a it was a big thing because that was the thing holding back. So, yeah, I've experienced it. It's tough. It's not fun. You know, it's a personal choice. I don't get mad at anybody that says, "Look, Hog, I like that game, but I ain't. I'm not giving them any money." So that's what. What what? Give me some more for you that like you were just like, "Oh, this is a, this is a tough one." I think Sekiro comes to mind. Ooh, Funny really? enough, Activision. Sekiro was a game that, of course, it won a ton of Game of Year awards. I never really clicked with it, but I remember when I saw From Software having a game published by Activision, I was like, sound the fucking alarms. I was like, this is going to be bad. It wasn't, fortunately. did really well. Yeah. But I remember seeing that and, and kind of having my, my guard up. I was like, mm, no. Mm-hmm. I really got to tap into Dakota's answer here because this is the most recent one I've experienced where uh, Pokemon Unite, like, man, it's if they dumb. had good cosmetics, it's a fun game. It's really good. That's what sucks about all this. It's really good. Mm-hmm. But the problem is there's pay to win microtransactions in there. Like big time. Like these are this is this is no joke, <laughs> man. I feel like I'm in the early 2010s. Like we're, we're talking competitive game changing no. purchases that you can wail on and what? literally destroy people with. Give me an example of something I could buy in Pokemon Unite that I could just change the game with. Alright, so you can like in a it's cool, right? Like in Pokemon, you can give your Pokemon items and they'll hold on to them. Mm-hmm. In this game, you can give them like a little bandana and it'll increase their attack speed. Then you can give them some money and up it goes. <laughs> Up it goes. King would love this. Continue. I want to hear more. So, dude, I was watching a video by, uh, I think his name is Moist Critical. Mm -hmm. And his video was just titled, Pokemon Unites Pay to Win. I'm like, all right, let's see. This was trending. I'm like, click. Let's see this. Because my buddy linked it to me because he knew I was into this. As Dustin would say, I'm a MOBA dork. So, (laughs) it's like, I play Smite. I play League. Like, I love MOBAs. And I was like, I was hungry for some diversity in my MOBA Mm -hmm. palette. And like, this was it, Cog. Let's go. So I'm so I'm watching this video and I'm like, holy fuck, it is. It is fucking pay to win. <laughs> I'm watching him. I'm watching this streamer drop hundreds of dollars on this game in real time. Uh-huh. Upgrade all his items. Now, for those who play MOBAs out here, you'll Let's know go. what I'm talking about. I don't know how much you've engaged. I'm not a MOBA way. guy, so I'm learning. I'm, that's what's interesting to me. There's a scaling process. You're, okay. not, you're not supposed to decimate early game. Gotcha. You're supposed to build up. You know, teamwork gets those early kills. You build some items. You you get rolling, and that's how you start to take over lanes. This man three hit someone at level six. <laughs> he did a thousand damage at level six. I was like, oh my goodness, that's not okay, and it sucks because. The Pokemon they're choosing, like they're choosing some underrated ones. They're choosing some funny ones. You got mm. Snorlax running around as a fucking support. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> I love so much about this game, mm. but it's so hard to support it because then the <laughs> money goes to Tencent. And yes. you're like, you're Direct. like, no, bro. And Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo, they're problematic in their own way for me. Mm-hmm. But my God, man, like this has been a struggle to support. It's like, I think about it often. I'm like, Wonder what Unite is up to right now. You know, like I, I like Pokemon Unite, but I can't support it. Like I just like morally it's tough because I want to play it, but also it's like I want a fair experience. So if they said, Hey, we've adjusted the microtransactions, it's cosmetic only, then we got a new problem on our hands, Mm -hmm. Cog. Because I've seen some of their cosmetics and they're fun. Like you got Pikachu in like these these street clothes. (laughs) They 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 got Venusaur in a in a in a snorkel. I'm like, yo, Um, this is great. Like this is what I've been looking for. And I'm like, "Mm, 
I can't buy it. Can't buy it. Let's <laughs> I can't buy it. I respect you, though. Like, there's certain people that can stand on their squares. Like, yo, I'm not doing it. I admit, there are certain games that I'm, I'm weak, and I'm like, God damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's certain ones. But there are ones where I'm like, yo, nah, fam, I'm not doing that. Like, you, you're, yeah. you're purposely nickel and diming me, and I know what's going on. Even Destiny, I, I had to, um, it was like right after D2, like right, right before, yeah, so after D2's launch, Right before around Curse of Osiris time, I was like, look, y'all nickel and diamond. Mm-hmm. Y'all not caring about the hardcore at all. You're not taking our suggestions. And I, I'm not supporting this. And I, I took a, a strong break. And then they literally had to have what they called a bungee summit where they get all like, <laughs> yeah, they called in all the content creators. We, you know, Because what happened is the engagement went down. And finally, uh-huh. the player base had enough, and then they turned it around, and then it led into Warmind, and then Forsaken, due to the players, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's there's times where I sit See, there and I'm like, yeah, I'm not even even I Destiny, my beloved stuff. What I would have done for Bethesda to do that with 76, <sighs> because dude, that was one of the more under discussed parts of what 76 did is it fucking like it, it cut off people like myself who i was not all, like at that point in my career i was diversifying but i was mostly bethesda yeah like, i was still a bethesda guy yeah and when 70, 76 was so damaging of a game yeah that even like i tried to do like guides and stuff i tried to push through and see like hey is anyone still Mm-hmm. No one was interested. It was so damaging. No one wanted nothing to do with Bethesda, even bad. after the fact. I remember that, like myself, a couple of other content creator friends that were known in the Bethesda community, we all had to pivot like mad mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. reorganize, restructure. If Bethesda was like, hey, let's pull these guys in, let's talk about it. I actually respect Bungie for doing that because mm-hmm. Bethesda did the opposite. I was like, this is horrendous. Mm-hmm. I hate what you've done with one of my favorite IP ever. And they, they stopped answering me. Yes. They cut me off completely. Yeah. They don't talk to me at all. And they used to be, mm. they used to be a company that engaged with me heavily, mm. heavily. I was, I was pretty in there to always talking to them and stuff. And, and there are great people who still work there. No, no, no issue with it at all. But I mean, yeah, it sucks when that happens. Cause it's like, you hear something like that. It's like, yeah, that's probably how you should respond. Cause their engagement, it's no way their engagement was up. But yeah. uh, they sort of dug their heels, and I mean, I, I see that. I'm like, man, what I would give for Bethesda to have done that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last point I'll say is you, it's interesting hearing your story about Bethesda. I have a theory on that when you, you said, like, they don't respond anymore. Generally, in my opinion, from what I've seen, again, it's anecdotal, but I'll say it, is that they know it already. The devs know already it's messed up. The, 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 the player base is irate. This is a mistake. But what happens is I feel corporate the suits publishers or whatever they've dug their heels in financially on certain decisions and then they trying to ride it out and yeah. then ultimately that's where you have the, that push pull so it's like they almost yeah. got to kind of hit rock bottom and yeah. then get the effect and then now oh we're listening mm-hmm. now no you're we totally want, right it, it's cyclical you're totally right you know what i mean kind yeah. of thing so and it's unfortunate yeah it's it, there's a lot of moments like that throughout gaming where you know you, you try to support them or you know you, you got to make that moral call and like for yeah. me i just i disliked 76 enough to be i pulled out of bethesda content creation almost entirely for a I while I, I would pop in and out at times but beyond that it was just like no nope, i'm not yep. really getting respect. involved in this respect so that's a great question dakota thank you for writing in thank you to everyone else who wrote in we appreciate you giving us your time your ear and if you got this deep Maybe hashtag um, 
What we got? I feel, like we we got? T- I feel like the main talk has been like support and companies. Support like, and companies, indie. Invest in DD. I like okay, that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, like, I that. like that. I like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've That's been seeing goal. more tweets come our way. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a ton last week. Yeah. Man. I, was, I was really happy about that. I was that. happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in the comments, there were a ton. So, if you got this deep, let us know on Twitter at G27Status at Lord Cognito. We're there available for interaction. Hashtag invest in DD. Invest in DD. Let us know that you are investing in Woo! us as a product. Let's go. <laughs> Diversify your portfolio. Get in that DD. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, Cog, any final words? No, man. Fire show as always. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Great topics, great questions, of course, by the patrons. Indeed. All I would say is, like, you know, I love, love the show, love what we're doing, and love the interaction and the feedback. And keep up the fantastic work, work what you're doing, and also uh, by, the, by the patrons, man. They've been fantastic. And catch that ultimate, y'all. This ultimate fire. We've been yeah. killing it with that ultimate. I agree. Give it all a listen. We'll be here next week with more Ultimate, more Defining Duke. And until then, have a mediocre week. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Maddie's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLV FMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Allen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holt. Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H-Trons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeffrey Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelus Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubber, Ray Lager, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Bingley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, 
Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.